This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Let's do this. Uh, Fire up for another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Hustler-Patterson with you. Michael Remus, the CTO. And, uh, man, we've got a great show today. Murata Tesh is going to join us. Murat's still close to coming off of the list, but will join us from Parts Unknown. And uh, lots to get to on uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Back at practice today. Great news for the hockey club and certainly the fan base. Nikolai Ehlers uh, out of the yellow into a full contact jersey and is a possibility for that huge game tomorrow night at home against the Dallas Stars. We're also going to welcome in a great friend of the program and a guy that will be a Blue Bomber legend forever, but still hard to believe he'll be wearing double blue instead of blue and gold this year. That, of course, is Andrew Harris. Harris will join us in about 15, 20 minutes. So we'll talk to him about the recent trip out to Toronto, signing with the Argos and you know memories of this great run in Winnipeg, as well as a look ahead to uh, you know the next chapter of his CFL career. Uh, we'll get to the cool bet lines and hit the briar a little later on. And I will just give people a quick tease, especially for folks around here that are big into the curling after Winnipeg sports talk today, I'm going to be jumping on with our friends over at cool bet. Um, Chris Abbott, Pat Gregoire, Jake Bowen Moss. Um, we'll do sort of a, a last call briar feature, looking at some of the odds and the games tomorrow as well. So looking forward to doing that. Um, but we've got lots to get to today. and. Um, a certain referee, former referee, triggered me big time with the tweet earlier on today. I'm still a little bit hot about that. We'll get to that with Michael Remus in just a second, uh, as well as look ahead to an absolutely massive game for the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow, Friday, against Dallas, as I mentioned, with Murata Tesh on the program. Before we do anything and we start firing out the takes around here, uh, I want to thank the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day. F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, our friends at the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, the Great Taste of Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, our betting partner over at Cool Bet Canada. So Andrew Harris coming up in just a few minutes. Murata Tesh a little bit later on the program. Well, let's get in the real star of the show, my guy, Michael Remus, to uh, get things going. Remo, what's up? How are you today? I'm in a good mood, although I had a laugh when you called me this morning. Um, you're all fired. You're all fired. <laughs> I'm saying, I'll spit out your drink there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hustler had a big, a big tweet. I guess that's what's going around. A lot of aftermath, and we talked about it yesterday. Uh, Mark Shifley. The hit on Jake Evans, the retribu- retribution, if you want to call it that, from the other g- game the other night on Tuesday. I guess it's not over. You know, Shifley reacted, wanted to pump up the crowd after their tussle. I mean, what's he going to do? I-, I said this. He's in a no-win situation here. Um, you know, he was asked on Tuesday morning, would you fight Jake Evans if he wanted to fight? He said yes. Well, what's he going to say? If he says no, everyone's going to put it. He said he didn't want to fight. Shifley's a huge coward. Oh, and then what? So he fought uh, Weidman. He can't control who fights him. And uh, and what? He went to pump up the crowd after they were winning 8-4 at the time. Or it might have been 7-4 at that point. I don't, I don't recall. 
But um, and so what if he just like goes to the penalty box with his head down? Like, oh, he didn't even look at the Canadians. What a coward! Oh man, so he's in a no-win situation here. He served his four-game suspension. The Habs dominated the series. They swept the Jets. Like, let's let's move on here. Well, you know what? First and foremost, you're right. And uh, listen, I think just because of the nature of the way hockey has been played for a long time and the way most of these players have grown up and been brought up and been coached and had, you know, ideas put into their head, I do think that there was going to be some semblance or expectation of some people about some sort of quote-unquote retribution. We were joking that the code was going to be on high alert when the teams met. But to your point... I mean, was there any better retribution for the Montreal Canadiens than sweeping the Jets in the playoffs last year? I can certainly tell you, someone on the Jets side of things, I mean, nothing you could have done after that would have been worse than ending the season the way that it ended um, with the excitement of the sweep of Edmonton and going into that round with the opportunity of getting to the Final Four in the Stanley Cup playoffs against a team that was a big underdog in the series. So to me, Montreal had the last laugh on that a long, long time ago. But I mean, we heard the conversation, uh, the comments from George Larac and others, certainly in the Montreal media. Um, and quite obviously, people around hockey, too. It just, you know, remember the violence of that hit. Jake Evans getting taken off on a stretcher, the uh, suspension that happened and the perception around the league that there was no remorse from Mark Scheifele. And listen, a lot of that's on him. I mean, he could have, um, you know, he could have apologized. He could have been a little bit more clear with any remorse or regret for the hit. Um, he had plenty of opportunity to do that, and he didn't. And people will make their own decisions for that. Um, but anyways, this gets back to to the game on uh, on uh, Tuesday night, and that game had, well, I mean, a little bit of everything. I mean, we talked about it extensively yesterday. It was absolutely bananas. I mean, the four-goal lead, blowing the four-goal lead, scoring another four unanswered, uh, and everything that happened around the game with the anthem. So it was quite noteworthy. Um, but, you know, the game had gotten away on the Montreal Canadiens, and Chris Weidman stepped to Mark Scheifele and challenged him. And what amounted to, listen, I mean, I, I don't even think that was a fight, to be perfectly honest with you. I guess they were willing combatants and gloves were dropped, but, I mean, it was over before it started. And, uh, you know, Mark Scheifele coming back to the bench did a little, and I'm still not sure. I mean, he didn't really confirm that he was, you know, kind of doing the Logan Stanley imitation from the Toronto game earlier this year, which, of course, triggered the entire Leafs nation, made the Jets public enemy number one in southern Ontario and around Leafs fans worldwide, which was quite funny. But the, listen, and I said this yesterday. I mean, as well intentioned, a lot of people say, oh, if you hate that move, you hate fun. Well, I mean, listen, I love fun more than most. Um, but I just knew that it was not going to be interpreted that way by certainly people on the Montreal side. And, um, you know, for Shifley, who in some ways has had somewhat of a heel turn outside of the, uh, the market, certainly, you know, dating back to last year in the playoffs. This wasn't something that was going to probably earn him more uh, the benefit of the doubt for many other hockey fans. And again, who cares about that, honestly? But as we played yesterday, the Josh Anderson quote after the game, I think, told us all we needed to know that this was going to be an uh, this was going to be an issue. And this is not being put to bed. And if you thought that it was put to bed by the fact that he was willing to fight and stepped up against a much smaller opponent that came at him. Um, you know, with what happened afterwards, that wasn't going to be the case. All that being said, um, this Tim Peel, former NHL referee, who, of course, got bounced from the National Hockey League 
last year uh, after he was caught, you know, making a ridiculous claim that he was looking to give Nashville a penalty on a hot mic, completely throwing into question uh, many people's thoughts on the integrity of officiating in the National Hockey League. Um, you know, it was probably convenient. He'd probably been a pain for the NHL for a while, and they were very quick to show him the door and let everyone know that he wouldn't be uh, refereeing hockey anymore. And now I think Tim's probably having a tough time figuring out what to do. Um, you know, he had a number of times last year when, uh, you know, he got to put the stripes on and got to be the center of attention and have everyone looking at you, which, by the way, is the worst thing that you want a referee to have, you know, to be that me guy that wants people to be talking about him, that wants to be the center of attention. Uh, but that's exactly what Mr. Peel did today with this tweet. So let's just re read it out. Zero respect for Mark Shifley. What he did to Jake Evans last year was brutal. He has never had any respect for the officials either. Way to go, Chris Weidman. Much respect to you. Hashtag Winnipeg Jets. Hashtag hockey fights. Hashtag NHL. Great hashtag work there, Tim. Um, to me, Remo, this is a, uh, well, as I tweeted out, an attention-seeking, disgraced ex-referee still trying to stay relevant and, um, you know, going out on something that I would spec, uh, you know, a tweet and a comment that I would uh, expect in maybe the lamest HF board forum or Facebook or something like that. I mean, you know, he's been working with some pretty reputable people. I don't know how well that's going or if anyone's paying attention to him, but maybe not because you have to go fire off these tweets like this. And I'll say this. I've been critical of Mark Shifley. I don't believe he's a... Um, untouchable player for the Winnipeg Jets anymore. Um, there's a lot of great things he does for this team. There's a lot of things that, you know, sometimes hurt the hockey club. Um, but I mean, we talk about this in hockey terms and what this means for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I, I often feel like this is something, you know, like we here in Winnipeg make fun of things about Winnipeg, but we love it. And when people from outside the market start taking shots at it, that's when we get our backup. Mark Shifley deserves better than that garbage from Tim Peel today. And for a guy that was a, a supposed to be a neutral figure in doing a job for the game and seeing both sides, um, I think this pulled back a little bit of the curtain on um, you know certain referees and how they handle Mark Shifley. But the zero respect comment, I mean, for all the guys that Tim Peel, for his time in the National Hockey League, could have maybe singled out for having zero respect for, the guy that he decides to take a stand on is Mark Shifley is an absolute joke. And uh, you know what? Yeah, it got my back up. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are going, of all the people I thought would be running to defend Mark Shifley, Huss probably not at the start of the list. Well, today it is right now because he deserved better than this. This was just a Twitter cheap shot that I'd expect from some loser hockey troll, not a guy that was an actual NHL referee for as long as Tim Peel was. Oh, Hustler, fire, fired up, up today. You call me, like, livid. And, and I think Mark Shivey's taken a lot of, uh, like I saw who Andy Strickland said, this was the Mount Rushmore of embarrassment for Winnipeg. I mean, the hyperbole here is out of control. I mean, Another St. Louis guy. Like, yeah. I'm just trying to think about this. Like, is Shifley? Listen, I know that Leaf fans are completely outraged at the Jets from the December 5th game, and Neil Pionk is public enemy number one. And I totally get Montreal Canadiens fans hating Mark Shifley and being outraged. And uh, listen, I, I would be too if it was the other way around. 
I didn't know that Shifley had this spot in 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 St. Louis, and he must because if Andy Strickland, a former player and a media member, there going at him, and then Tim Peel, who um, of course you know got bounced from the league from the hot mic. Thank you very much to whoever was operating it that night. Um, but is on that too. I mean, maybe there's more to it from a St. Louis side, and certainly St. Louis has seen a lot of the Winnipeg Jets. But the guy's had one terrible mistake in his entire career. I can't think of any other black mark on it. And so for him to say all the officials have no respect for Mark Shifley, it's an absolute joke. And uh, I'll tell you what, I think there's a lot of people in the National Hockey League, um, you know, officiating department right now that are probably rolling their eyes and going, oh, my God, peel again. What the hell? I can't believe we're still dealing with this joke, even after he's long gone from the National Hockey League. Yeah, I know he's doing stuff with, uh, I don't I think a part-time basis with, Thank you for the super chat. There, hey, BA, thanks. Thank you for the super chat. Uh, sorry, I'm laughing. You're at, uh, what's it called? Oh, yeah, here's the Andy Strickland tweet. Uh, Chris Weidman wasn't even on the team. The one who dropped the gloves with Shifley. Then Shifley waved to the crowd. Mar- Mount Rushmore of embarrassing. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, don't, I disagree with all of that. Uh, I thought it was a guy having a good time. Again, it's like when baseball players get mad at someone for running the bases too slowly. We haven't Listen, even we haven't no, even got no one, to yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, no one should be surprised that this is the way people outside of the market are looking at this. I mean, if this like let's just say that this was like we knew that this had happened between you know Minnesota and the Panthers, and you know it was uh, it was Kaprizov or Barkov, like a star player on one of those teams that knocked a guy out, got suspended, you know all the backstory. And then this happened and we saw him in a pseudo fight that wasn't really even a fight at the end of the game and go out and do that. I guarantee you, I would be on this program going, oh my God, that's embarrassing. Like, what the heck is the guy doing? I mean, I wouldn't be completely triggered by it. But I mean, I understand how that looks to a lot of other people. And I totally understood the way it looked to the Montreal Canadiens yesterday and that night. And that's why we played the clip from Josh Anderson and why I don't think it's done, why he didn't do himself any favors by doing that. But the overreaction to it by the Stricklands of the world, but especially Tim Peel, who's a, 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 you know, was an official, I mean, really rubs me the wrong way and you know and 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 it brings back a big I mean, listen i think the nhl is probably better off and you know took full advantage of the opportunity to get rid of the guy as he did um but you do wonder about how much those grudges and personal favorites uh and the way they think of the way the game should be played the referees in their minds as it goes to calling the games as opposed to what their actual job is out there and that is to uh watch what they see call penalties as they are committed on the ice and um, let the teams decide the game. Yes, uh, I agree. So, Hustler, you were fired. Nothing gets you that fired up, but uh, you called me again, called me this morning, livid. You put a Tim Peel on blast and we spent way too much, spent more than enough time on this, but I have been, even going back to last year, surprised at the hate for Mark Shev. You'd think... He's the first person in NHL history to hit a guy really hard and put him out, put him out on a, on a stretcher. I mean, a, a very unfor- unfortunate event. I mean, we saw a hit last week. Who was it? Sam Bennett going after uh, Cole Sillinger on Columbus. He's trying to score on an empty net. You know what? When they're down two goals, and he hit him pretty good. I thought he hit him like excessive force for the situation. But no one. Everyone's talking about what a what a great 
hit it was. So, oh, well, we can we can move on, Hus, because we did actually have some good Jets news coming out of today's practice. Yes, yes. Let's 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 increase the positive vibes. And I don't think there's any way you can increase the more positive vibes around a team that is desperately in need of them than bringing back Nikolai Ehlers. And of course, he was skating with the team. But today uh, I saw the tweet just after the morning skate started and the Jets just put it out. Ehlers in the blue jersey and that that means after all this time out reinforcements are on the way. Andrew Kopp was a huge part of that win against the Montreal Canadiens on Tuesday night. And now Remus, it certainly does look like barring any sort of a setback that 27 is going to be back in the lineup tomorrow for Winnipeg. And uh, his, his return probably overdue because they've really needed him for a long time. But um, tell you what, sure going to be nice to see him back just to be able to watch him play again. Uh, but also when you consider the predicament that the Winnipeg Jets are in desperately needing wins, he's going to help them do exactly that. Yeah, they did. He was practicing today in the regular jersey, as you mentioned. And they say that unless there's a setback, he will be good to go tomorrow. Um, and we got a real strong, you know, top three Jets lines now. I mean, you looked at that road trip, but they were, I said this the whole time, they were missing Cop, missing Perfetti, Ehlers, and the Cop's back, made an impact yesterday, or uh, Tuesday night, and now Ehlers is back, and here are the lines, we can take a look. Stasny, Shafley, Wheeler, Connor Dubois, Svechnikov, keeping that trio together. Cop, Lowry, Ehlers, uh, Veselainen, Toninato, Harkins, Poganski, Brooks are the extras, uh, Morrissey, DeMello, Dylan, and Logan Stanley, Neil Pionk, he did not skate. I don't. I haven't heard the reason uh, for that yet. Bolio Schmidt, Hell, and Helva Comrie are the goalies, of course. But I mean, having Nikolai Ehlers back, absolutely huge. Uh, you know what kind of player he is. He can skate. He can shoot. He can pass. He can do do everything. And he hasn't been in the lineup for a while. You know, he's one of the top uh, what points per sixty guys at, at five on five. So huge boost. Um, you got three saw lines, and I don't know. Maybe I'm starting to get more optimistic about the Jets when they're at full strength. So this is, I think, exciting for a big game on Friday against Dallas. Yeah, um, listen, and, and Ehlers playing with Kopp and Lowry is a real interesting combination in that, um, you know, you had Svechnikov that's come up. I mean, you know, of those players, I mean, Svech is the guy that, you know, hasn't played a ton in the top six, but when he's been with Connor and Dubois, they've had quite a bit of success. And he's been great the last couple of games and has really made the most of this opportunity. So, I mean, situationally, depending on what the team needs, the score, where they are, the game, I mean, all of that is subject to change. Uh, but I kind of like the idea of Ehlers coming into play with Kopp and Lowry. And let's not forget, Remo, you know, that Lowry, um, you know, has been converting on some opportunities, but he really has been doing it in both ends as of late. Andrew Kopp had a nice jump into his game and scored a big goal. And, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe, you know, we were to always talk about scoring lines. And I know Adam Lowry really hasn't been thought of in that in that role before because, I mean, he has been somewhat pedestrian offensively. Um, but I'll tell you what, I mean, the way that he's playing right now and with Andrew Kopp there and, you know, bringing Eli, Ehlers back into the fold, um, you know, if that line could get going and you can get some production consistently from those top two two lines, um, the Jets will be in as good a position as they've been in a long time and be interesting to see what the status on Cole Perfetti is and at what point he might be able to come back and what that would do to the top nine. Uh, but the bottom line is, for the last couple months at least, 
this is about as good as the top nine has looked. And uh, to be honest, this is exactly when they need it with Dallas, the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning on the stocket for the next few games on this homestand. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, this is almost like uh, day one. I mean, who's who else is injured? Who are you waiting for to come back? Who are you waiting to come back? Um, just Cole Perfetti, who wasn't, I guess he was there, but he didn't last very, very long. And I think Cole Perfetti now in the NHL is a bit of a different player than Cole Perfetti game one. And, you know, I see some people in chat saying, well, I'd like to see him, you know, with Shifley and Wheeler. And look, you start him off on the third lines, his first game back. And I think if you need a boost, I think you could definitely put him there. But just because you start there or you're practicing there today, doesn't mean it's a forever thing. I, I, you know, it seems like the Connor Dubois Fetchnikov line is going, but I think depending on how the game goes, you can always mix and match. And I mean, having a guy in your lineup like Nikolai Ehlers, I mean, absolutely massive, um, you know, for the team is, you know, they try to stay in the fight here and a big, another big game against Dallas on Friday. You got it. So uh, tomorrow, I mean, we'll have more from the morning skate tomorrow on the program. And uh, Kenny will join us tomorrow on the show, which I'm really looking forward to uh, to doing that. Uh, we'll also talk about all of this stuff and maybe get a little bit more into the Winnipeg Montreal aftermath with Dale Weiss when he joins us tomorrow on the program. Uh, that should be good. But this focus needs to be simply much like we said, going into the game on Tuesday night. There's a lot of noise around the hockey club, especially in that last game. Uh, but it needs to be about one thing, and that's winning the hockey game right now. And, you know, with the Dallas Stars right now, Remus, you know, in a position where, I mean, I don't want to say they could pretty much end the Winnipeg Jets or at least in between the two of those with a win, um, you know, tomorrow night. But it's pretty close uh, because Dallas right now is 10 games above 500. they They've got 63 points in 53 games. I mean, the Jets sit six points back of them and they played an extra game. The Jets are three games above NHL 500. So, I mean, it is imperative for them to get to plus four and knock Dallas a spot down to uh, down to just nine games above 500. But there is a positive um, thing happening right now when it comes to the Jets chances in the West and in the division is that the Nashville Predators continue to struggle now three, six and one in their last 10 they lost to Tampa in the uh, outdoor game in Nashville and then blew it last night on the road to the Seattle Kraken. And uh, you know what? Those are the sort of games that, frankly, the Jets lost earlier in this season. And part of the reason why their record is what they are. Uh, if the Krakens of the world could do teams like the Winnipeg Jets a favor and knock off a few of the teams ahead of them in that Central Division and Western Conference, Everyone would be quite appreciative of it, but a uh, big missed opportunity for the Preds last night. You can give them a pass for losing to the Stanley Cup champs. That was an important game for Nashville last night. I saw Robbie Stanley saying one of the most costly of the year for the team from Music City. Yeah, that was a big that was a big one, and we do have some uh, Jets news as well. Hustler, the waiver report comes out around you know just after one o'clock. Uh, Austin Poganski has been placed on waivers uh, to clear room for Nikolai Ehlers, so. I would think that, uh, you know, obviously if he clears, he's going down and we'll have to wait and see uh, what happens. There. I wonder if he'll get picked up. I'm going to say probably not, but never. Austin Pagansky? Yeah. I, I, listen, I don't think we need to be doing a 24-hour vigil making sure that, uh, you know, he passes <laughs> through the waiver wire and, and makes it to makes it to the moose i i'm I'm not sure about that and to be honest with you i mean i would love to see a corresponding move 
um, that David Gustafson comes back to uh, the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, I spoke about that. We saw him play uh, on the weekend for the Manitoba Moose. Looked healthy, looked great, scored a real nice goal, taking it to the net on Saturday, scored a big goal in the shootout on Sunday and would seem to be ready. And um, listen, you know, Pagansky's interesting. He's a guy, Remus, that we really have not spoken about very much because, to be honest, there wasn't much to talk about. Um, you know, I mean, certainly there wasn't a lot of offense going on. He was playing with, you know, uh, Adam Lowry quite a bit of time, playing in a checking role and did a pretty good job, I guess, with that. But, I mean, there just wasn't wasn't much to get to. Um and, you know, now Lowry certainly has been stepping it up and, you know, playing with maybe a few different players and has been able to um, make the most of some opportunities and starting to get a few red lights on. Andrew Kopp coming back in, and I think they're still wondering who is the best fit for that side. Now, Nikolai Ehlers is going to be there as we talked about it, um, but I will say this. If Ehlers comes back and ends up playing into the top six, um, as I've talked about with Ken a number of times, I have a lot of time for seeing how David Gustafson would work alongside Kopp and Lowry. I mean, to me, that might be the most ideal combination of uh, of players. So um, we'll talk about this coming up with Murata Tesh in a little bit. Um, uh, hey, a big... Our, our, our friends at Culligan Water, you know, as Remus mentioned, I was quite hot today. I've needed to stay hydrated and cooled down because uh, I was somewhat triggered by that Tim Peel cheap shot at Mark Shifley early to, earlier today. Uh, when you think of water, whether it be cooling down, staying hydrated, uh, in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, you think of the experts over at Culligan Water, a family-owned celebrating 65 years in business here in Winnipeg and Manitoba. And uh, they've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide delivery services. Not to mention, if you need water for your uh, for your business, commercial and industrial water products and solutions as well. Uh, you can visit them over 1200 Sargent Avenue, 204-694-5180 is the number, and you can hit them up online at drinkculligan.com. Uh, well, as I mentioned, Remo was in at F Apparel on the weekend getting fitted up for a couple nice suits. Uh, every guy needs at least one suit that looks great and most importantly fits, and now we're getting back into weddings and grads and parties, hopefully for the foreseeable future without any interruptions. Uh, now it might be a good time to get down to the expert at F Apparel. Uh, custom suits starting at $3.99, uh, not to mention dress shirts, winter jackets, chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, and more. And if you do have a wedding coming up, talk to Andrew and the gang down there. You get 15% off for all the members of the wedding party if you get your suits from F Apparel. 190 Smith Street downtown. You can make an appointment or find out more at F-E-P-H Apparel. Dot com and of course our friends at Vita Health are uh, into March. Of course the uh, heart month was February, uh, but taking care of yourself and being as healthy as possible is a 12 month a year job. And Vita Health Fresh Market is where you'll find great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Uh, not to mention delicious lunch options. Pop out and check out the delicious and healthy Vita Market salad soups sandwiches and more and if you can't make it into the store visit the brand new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca to buy online or schedule a delivery with instacart vita health fresh market now with seven winnipeg locations including the newest store in the linden ridge and online at myvita.ca all right marat's coming up later on we will get back to the winnipeg jets but uh always enjoy conversations with our next guest he uh 
This is weird. He's a Blue Bomber legend, a back-to-back Grey Cup champion, uh, but now we welcome into Winnipeg Sports Talk in his hometown as a member of the Toronto Argonauts. Let's welcome in Andrew Harris. Uh, Andrew, what's up? Welcome back, my friend. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, good, to, good to be on the show again and good to see you. Oh, it's great to see you as well. I know you had a, uh, you know, a couple trips as of late. We'll get to it. I mean, uh, first of all, what was it like being out in Toronto? I saw you and Coach Dinwizzle there were a front row at the Leafs game having a little fun. Uh, what's been the re- reception like with your new team? Yeah, I mean, I, it, was, it was great since to get down there and, uh, you know, meet the coaching staff, get get familiar with my new environment and, and uh, all, all the great people down there and, you know, Toronto's a Toronto's a great city. Lots of great fun out there, and uh, you know, having having the team be attached to MLSC like they are, there's those those perks that go into the Raptors Leafs game, you know, the Toronto FC game. So I'm really looking forward as as an avid sport fan uh, to take advantage of those perks. But uh, ultimately, it was just it was good to kind of just you know feel 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 wanted, feel feel excited about a new spot, and uh, and and like I said, get familiar with the city that uh, we spend some time in uh, this summer. You know, I mean, there's lots of people that have a ton of questions about, um, you know, why it's kind of come to this. And I mean, we know, hey, football's a business, maybe the most um, ruthless one of all professional sports because of the uh, the length of careers and uh, contracts in a league like the CFL. Nothing really is guaranteed. But um, how would you describe the, the you know, the ups and downs? Um, because, you know, when we spoke the last time you were on the program, um, you know, it was quite clear that nothing was for sure. But you would say, hey, listen, I mean, I can still play football. I want to be back out there. How would you categorize the uh, discussions or lack thereof early on with the Blue Bombers that, uh, of course, led to you leaving as a free agent? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think I think at the end of the day, it's just, uh, you know, it didn't work out, um, you know, for, for a lot of different reasons. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, I wanted to continue to play here in Winnipeg. And, um, you know, it just didn't work out the, the, way, the way I wanted it to. Um, but, uh, you know, you got to adapt, improvise, and overcome. And, uh, you know, I, I found, found a new home in Toronto. And uh, I want to see really excited about the opportunity. I think the, the organization is a great organization. Um, you know, it's, 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 hard to, it's hard to compare to, uh, to, to what Winnipeg has to offer and, and what we've done here. Um, but I'm looking forward to, to being a part of something special out there and, and bringing, you know, um, what, I, what I do so well on the field and, and uh, what, what, how I am in the locker room and as, as, as far as a veteran, as far as a leader and, and bringing my best foot forward to, to, to bring in a great cup in Toronto. Hopefully. Now, you know, I mean, it's pretty clear that you will always be celebrated as, um, you know, I mean, an all-time bomber legend, um, you know, for my money, the, the most impactful free agent signing in blue bomber history. And you could make an argument that maybe the most impactful free agent signing in CFL history with what's happened since then. Uh, but going away, do you leave with any regrets right now? Or, I mean, do you look back just happy and proud of what you're able to do here in Winnipeg and excited for the future? Yeah, you can't live with regrets. I mean, I think ultimately, I mean, um, when I came here in 2016, I set out to, you know, bring success to the team and, and you know, help help win this team or help, help bring this team to, you know, a playoff contender and, and you know, a great cup champion. And, you know, to be able to say that, um, set, set out to do that and to be able to accomplish it, and I mean, there's there's some great players along the way that, uh, that that were part of that, and great coaches and and organization as a whole. I mean, everything everything about the the Bombers is top notch. I mean, there's no there's no regrets at all. You know, uh, we had a goal, uh, we said we did it, and uh, to be able to go back to back again, and you know, that was also a goal, and we did it, and um, absolutely no regrets, um, absolutely nothing. The, the, like I said, the organization from top to bottom is is top notch, and tons of respect for the, all the coaches and players that. Uh, you know, was able to play with and, and come along with. And 
you know, but uh, now this chapter is closed. And, uh, you know, again, I'm looking forward to, to this great opportunity in Toronto. Andrew Harris of the uh, Toronto Argos. It still sounds weird uh, with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, it, you know, you mentioned you, your teammates. I mean, you were uh, such a big part of that team that did so many special things and uh, really brought this football club and this organization to a spot that it hadn't been to um, really in most of our lifetimes. Um, leaving right now, I mean, you, those relationships with your teammates, I mean, I'm sure you guys will always have a special bond, but what were some of the conversations, especially the guys that have been blocking you? I mean, I think about that unit, I mean, the O-line and, you know, you guys in the backfield. I mean, uh, what were some of those conversations like after it was done? And uh, uh, will you be uh, giving it to them on the uh, on the text chain over the course of next season, having a little fun with them uh, from afar? Well, I'm, I'm still in the O-line group chat for now. I haven't been kicked out yet, so uh, um, we'll see how long that lasts. But uh, but yeah, lots lot lots of love from um, you know from 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 the guys that I played with for such a long time. Guys like Patty, Jamarcus, uh, Stanley, Mikey, all, all those guys that you know had had great conversations with and, and you know great support along the way. But uh, I mean, I mean, the biggest thing is um, when when you go when you go into the trench with those guys and you put all that blood, sweat, and tears. Um, you know, there, there's a certain bond that's formed that uh, it's an unbreakable bond. And, you know, those guys will be my brothers forever. And, you know, nothing but respect for all those guys. And, um, you know, I'll be I'll be looking at it from afar, you know, unless you're playing the Argos. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to uh, to play with those guys. I'm very proud to to, to grow. I've grown with them and, and, and done some great things with them. And um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was some there was some really tough conversations, you know, and uh, things weren't going as well. And. It was, things were unclear, and uh, you know, and when, when finally when the dust was settled, that uh, you know, there's some tough conversations after, just you know, kind of saying goodbye. And, um, but I mean, it's just goodbye for you know the season, and you know, like I said, that brotherhood's gonna last forever. Uh, that that friendship's gonna last forever, and um, you know, that's something you can never take from uh, from from a teammate that you won a championship with. Andrew, uh, you mentioned sort of the dust had settled. I mean, there was some uncertainty. I mean, you kind of got to the point where you knew what the deal was, and you know, began to entertain offers from other CFL teams. I mean, what was that like? How long did you, was it difficult to get to the point where, okay, I'm actually talking to these other teams and I'm going to be going somewhere. And um, why and how was it the Argos that ended up being the best choice for the next chapter of uh, your career? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it was it was kind of weird. Um, I didn't, there, there was that window there that you can talk to their teams. And, um, you know, I, I'm obviously pretty close to G.R. Simon with their, you know, relationship we had in, in BC. So he's in Edmonton and Edmonton is really the only team that I was originally starting to talk to. Uh, and then near the end of that window, um, BC, I started having conversations with the BC and uh, and then I kind of just reached out to Pete Costanza, who was the running back coach um, with the Bombers last year. He's another receiver coach in, in Toronto and just said, hey, is there an opportunity uh, potentially out of Toronto? And, uh, you know, Pinball called me the next day and said, hey, I didn't even know that this was an option that you'd be on the table. And I said, yeah, I didn't either. So, I mean, let's kind of get this conversation going. And um, it was kind of like the 11th hour, of, you know, before that window was closed. And then it was literally like once that window opened up again, once the agency was, uh, was 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 on and popping, it was like 12.01. My phone was ringing. It was pinball and said, hey, are we, are we, are we still to go here? So, um, you know, just getting to know him. And, and again, that, 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 that feeling to being uh, wanted and, and, uh, and, and kind of sought after was, uh, was, was a good feeling. And, you know, especially just how, you know, the things kind of went with, with Winnipeg here. So um, that's kind of how it went down. And, you know, we, we had kind of discussed the numbers initially and um, everything kind of worked out uh, from that standpoint, you know, like that, that afternoon on free agency. And 
Um, I didn't want to wait around and, and, and play the waiting game. So, you know, I wanted to sign the dotted line as fast as possible uh, with, with, with what I thought was comfortable with. And, um, and, and, you know, here we are. Did, uh, did you do the deal yourself? Did you act as your own agent and all that? And uh, if so, how, uh, how did it all go? Yeah, I mean, for, for myself, that was definitely a tough, uh, tough dynamic. I've had an agent my whole career. But uh, I did get some props from Kyle Walters uh, for, for the deal that I did get. So he said, uh, I, got, I got an agent in me in the future. So I guess I did pretty good. Uh, this is great. Andrew Harris with us. So tell us about going out there. I mean, you signed the deal. As I said, we saw you at the hockey game. But uh, what was the yeah. welcome like from the Argos organization? Um, and, um, and what's the outlook for the double blue? I mean, this is a team that, you know, while I think there's a lot of room to improve, both with the support and hopefully more people kind of really – being in with the Argos as fans. I mean, on the football field, I mean, I think they've been, uh, you know, frankly overlooked in that market because they've played some good games. They've had some good players and the Bombers of all teams would know. I mean, that was the team that, um, you know, that actually beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the regular season before the playoffs were wrapped up last season. Yeah, I think, um, you know, getting out there, meeting uh, meeting everyone, uh, you know, I sat down with Dinwiddie um, when we first got there and just kind of picked his brain on his, his offensive uh, philosophies and all that and, um, you know, just kind of get to know everyone, met the equipment staff, the uh, trainers, and um, got, a, got, a, got a sense of, you know, what, what a day is like, you know, in, in the building there and got, got to see all the facilities. Um, so, yeah, just just got an opportunity to, to really just check everything out and, and meet everyone. And, um, and, and then I hung out with some teammates. I had dinner with Enoch and uh, Boris Daniels and, um, you know, just, just, just got, to, got, to, got to hang on the city. And, uh, I mean, again, it's, a, it's definitely a big – uh, we're, we're, a, we're a small fish in a big pond over there. There's there's lots of other, um, you know, draws with the Raptors, Leafs, and, and, the, and the Toronto FC, which is very popular out there. But, uh, you know, there's still a lot of support from from a lot of people in that area, and I'm looking forward to being a part of something great. A lot of people forget, you know, how the great the great season that Toronto had last year. Um, you know, we got some great additions on on defense with uh, uh, Jagari Davis and, and Quinn McManus. Uh, our, our McManus, not Quinn McManus, but McManus, the, the linebacker and uh, Speedy Banks, and um, I'm really looking forward to, you know, just getting to know the guys that have been there, uh, the new additions, and, and you know, just uh, finding my way and, and uh, finding my impact and, and how I'm going to, you know, or finding my way to how I'm going to be an impact player, um, like I said, in the locker room and on the field. Uh, Andrew, you mentioned talking to pinball. Um, you know, in all the years I've been doing this, he stands out as one of the most special human beings I've ever talked to. I mean, dude just walks into a room and everyone sort of starts smiling and feeling better because he has that aura. Um, not to mention was a CFL legend in his own right. Um, yeah. Tell us about talking to pinball, the impact that um, he has and the amount of confidence that you feel going into an organization with him as one of the leaders. Well, pinball is pinball great. He actually just called me about two minutes ago here. It's just my phone is ringing. But uh, yeah, our, our relationship's been awesome so far. Like we, you know, we're on a you know call basis, text basis. Um, you know, he took the um, opportunity to, to drive me around in Toronto for you know a few hours to show me the different areas and um, kind of pick my brain. And you know, I got to pick his brain at all the things that he's involved off off the field and you know how he got to his spot and really just trying to get to know each other. And, uh, you know, for, for a Hall of Fame guy like that to, you know, pick out a few hours to, to drive me around, uh, it was an absolute honor. And, again, just a, test, a testament to the type of guy that he is and, um, you know, how caring and compassionate, uh, you know, he is. And, you know, ultimately how, how, much, how much he cares about his players and, and, and guys that, uh, you know, he, he feels are going to be, you know, players that are, are going to help with, get the team to the next level. So I did really appreciate that. And, um, again, just appreciating the, the, the love and support that I've gotten so far. And, 
Um, like I said, it's, it's, it's made this transition, um, you know, which is a big one in, in this stage of my life and my career, you know, a little bit easier. And, uh, you know, I'm, again, uh, if, if, it was, if it was any different, I'd be, you know, a, bit, a little bit uh, concerned or worried about it. But it's been, it's been, a, it's been a smooth transition. And uh, uh, like I said, lots of love and support. And it's made, it's made everything, uh, you know, feel, feel great. And I'm looking forward to the opportunity now. I remember when you came to Winnipeg after, um, you know, the opportunity, well, you know, finishing up in BC and having quite obviously Winnipeg being far more in and uh, rewarding you for what you've done and what they believe that you could do, that you mentioned that you were going to be playing with a bit of a chip on your shoulder. And you've always done that. And that's part of what's made you, um, you know, the incredible player you've been. How big is that chip going to be for the 2022 season when you get out there for the Argos? You can't, you can't see it or what? <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm excited, man. I mean, um, uh, even even as far as my training this year is, uh, I mean, I'm just way more focused into, you know, what I need to do and how I need to do it. Um, and especially just after after last season, I, I just, I wasn't myself last season, uh, you know, mentally and, and physically. And, um, you know, ultimately I didn't perform the way I wanted to perform. So, I mean, um, on, on top of the fact of what's, what's happening um, and where I'm going now, it's uh, all these things have just kind of compounded now on top of each other to uh to give me this opportunity and, and, and this feeling of you know it's it's really time to go now and and you know i've always i've always played well when i've had a chip on my shoulder i felt like an underdog or um you know you know felt like an, an afterthought so um you know it's it's nothing the same here and i'm just looking forward to getting out there and and showing everyone again that i can still do this you know um, when i think about you here and and i mean listen you are a winnipeg guy i mean uh, regardless of how long this goes in toronto i mean at the end i mean i'm sure you'll be back here and being a big part of the community and uh, you know we'll always be a favorite of winnipeg blue bomber fans um but we you know, moving away and i'm glad we had this conversation now maybe after a few weeks since you know the the announcement of going to the argos but when you look back at your time as a bomber and and knowing I mean, even modestly, the impact that you've made here with the organization and in the city. What are you most proud of during uh, looking back at this tenure as a as a bomber? I mean, in addition to the, obviously the Grey Cup championships. Yeah, I think the thing I'm most proud of is um, you know the, the impact I've made in the community, um, whether it be Harris Heroes or you know my foundation, the Third Three Foundation. That's uh, that's been going strong for the last uh, two years now. Um, you know. My impact within, you know, just just the winning culture. Um, you know, I, I remember I remember the first my first year, and uh, you know, we had a, we had a game where we were kind of down, and it almost seemed like everyone was kind of used to, you know, this happening, and it was kind of just like, oh, here we go again, kind of thing. And um, when you when you're on the sidelines or you're in a game, and you can really notice the, a difference in the culture, the difference in the, um, you know, the confidence in a team or the guys or the coaches around you um, in that huddle or on the sidelines. Um, that's definitely something to be proud of. And I think, um, you know, and again, I'm not taking full credit on, them on, on my own, but just being a part of that. And uh, to the point where, you know, we'd be down in games at, uh, at Investors Group Field and, and the fans have no doubt we're going to come back and win. You know, you look at that game against Montreal in 2017 and we come back with, uh, you know, the, the, the minute and a half left and, you know, three scores, you know, or, or the games where, you know, we have a two hour, two and a half hour rain delay or lightning delay, you know, the fans stick it out. And I just think, you know, in talking to people, um, there's a gentleman I went to high school with. He said uh, his, his dad had season tickets and they, they canceled him in 2014 or 15. And then they came to the Western final last year. And, you know, we were down at halftime. We had those turnovers and we're like, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. You know, we turn it around and, and you, know, you know, punch a sketch in the, in the mouth and, and we walk out and go to the Great Cup. You know, he's like, you know, 
just just that culture within the fans, within um, the locker room, within the organization, just that shift of, of belief and, and confidence that you know we're winners and we're going to get this done by any means possible. And uh, just 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 those kind of conversations, those kind of uh, interactions, and you know those kind of memories, um, whether it be in the game, uh, whether it be in the community, um, whether it be in the locker room. You know, there's 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 just so many great memories and great people that I've met along the way that uh, have impacted my life and um, you know changed my outlook on on you know the whole realm of what this really means um, from a legacy play from a from a, a career standpoint. And uh, I'm just so proud to to have established those and uh, and be a part of them. Uh, you know, you yeah. mentioned the foundation yeah. of what you've done in the community. I mean, this is still your home. You'll be playing in Toronto. I mean, uh, do you have plans? Have you thought much about uh, what you might still be able to do with like the 33 Foundation? Or uh, will some of those things that you were doing with that shift to uh, now where you're going to be making your living in the Southern Ontario? Yeah, I think um, what we're doing right now is, is we're going to keep a lot of the bursary stuff, you know, in this community here. Um, a lot of the a lot of the money that we raise through different initiatives of all is all come from this community. So we're going to keep keep all those things here. I do have some plans um, working with a couple of the big organizations in Toronto right now. That's why the the call from Pinball just uh, came about just now. These were we're trying to discuss different ways to do things, but uh, in, in the GTA. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm definitely going to have my outreach in in, in the GTA. Um, and I'm still going to be doing things and initiatives here up until I leave, and I'm still going to have some sort of reach and some 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 sort of impact. Um, because again, I mean, this is this is the, this is the community, this is the the city that helped raise me to get to me to get me to where where I am today, and uh, I, I got to give back and, and until I, until I can't anymore. So I'm um, always going to be a, a big advocate of, of of you know paying it back, paying it forward, and and um, you know just doing as much as I can in the community to to help youth you know, overcome their barriers. And I'm um, just looking forward to the opportunity to maybe spread that reach in Toronto. But, uh, you know, my roots will always be here in Winnipeg. That's amazing. Uh, it's great to hear. Andrew, you know, there's a lot of emotion involved in this on all sides. Um, the Bombers do not play the Argos at home this year. There, is, there, will, there will be no thing. Is that, a, is that in some ways maybe a good thing? Because it might be hard coming back with everything that would surround it? Or are you disappointed and uh, figuring maybe that second matchup of the season might be able to happen in Regina in late November? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's bitter, bittersweet. I mean, uh, I know we're, we play them uh, at home July 4th, I think it is. Uh, but uh, yeah, it would, it would be kind of cool to come back and invest in group field. Definitely would have been a very emotional game and it would be very awkward to come out that other side of the tunnel there, the other side of the field there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, I'm happy it's not happening. Part of me kind of wishes I could, uh, you know, come back on that field one more time. Um, we'll see, maybe, maybe, maybe next year. <laughs> Andrew, this is awesome. Uh Tell us uh, what's up for the next, uh, you know, couple months. When will you get out to Toronto? Are you going to be spending some time here in Winnipeg? And uh, what does the off season look like for you now that you pretty much know the way things are uh, shaking out for 2022? Yeah, just uh, gym, yoga, hockey. Um, you know, spending time with my daughter. She's she's heavily on volleyball, so uh, doing some work in um, 33 Ventures. So I still got my sales stuff going on, and um, yeah, I'm just uh, doing some traveling, going to San Diego for March Madness. Um, nice. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Um, so yeah, just do a little traveling, but uh, the main thing is just getting myself ready for 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 May and for training camp. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be here and around. And um, again, just looking forward to spending my, my time still in Winnipeg here and, and spending time with my daughter. And 
Um, I'm just bad Nicolino's right now. Actually, if I don't know if you recognize the back room. Yeah. <laughs> just what to say. Yeah. <laughs> Got to so, get a little uh, bit more time in there before you leave. Say what's up to my guy Nick for me while you're uh, while you're there. Well, listen, dude. Yeah. On a personal level, you know, as someone that's been doing this for a long time, but is also you know Winnipeg guy that's been cheering for these teams my whole life. Uh, uh, congratulations on everything that you've done here. I mean, you came here for uh, with the job to do. You did it better than I think anyone could have imagined, and. Um, the, the, the legacy of you being a Winnipeg Blue Bomber, uh, well, they've got the Grey Cups to prove it. It's a big part of it. And I know uh, for me, my, Remus, everybody in the chat right now wishes you nothing but the best. A lot of people wish that maybe it had ended up a little differently. But uh, the bottom line is uh, I know that you still got some gas in the tank. And we're going to look forward to playing for you, or to cheering for you this year when you're not playing against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And as I said, maybe an extra game uh, down at the end of November between these two teams would be pretty juicy for all the media to talk about it all great cup week absolutely i mean that's the ultimate goal and i mean uh again the way this organization is built and you know the team and uh, as far as the players and the coaches to the, to, the, to the head office um you know they have all the potential to, to go be there again so hopefully i can get to get get the get the toronto organauts you know to represent the east and that that, that would be a juicy game for sure so hey listen uh, congratulations on the new deal. All the best. Um, and, uh, you know, we, uh, we certainly will be doing this again. We'll be following you in Toronto and, uh, hopefully I'll see you around the city before uh, you head out to, uh, out to TO. Thanks for doing this, my friend. Sounds good. Take care, buddy. We'll see you around. Good stuff. There it is. Andrew Harris, Winnip Toronto Argonaut, Winnipeg, <laughs> Winnipeg native, and now member of the Toronto Argonauts. And, uh, it's still... It's still bizarre, uh, frankly, you know, calling, calling him an Argo. Um, but as we said, football is a uh, it's a tough business. And um, you know what? As I said, I mean, uh, I think the Bombers had to make their decisions uh, for obvious reasons. And being a general manager of a championship team uh, in a salary cap world, when you're trying to bring everyone back, uh, it's not easy. And there's certainly arguments to be made that, you know, the running back position, you can get value from guys that are making less and younger players. Uh, but man, there's going to be something missing. I mean, for the fans in the North end where a 33 would be jumping in after touchdowns along with the old lineman um, to what did he done? He's done in the community since being back here. Um, you know, it is bittersweet as he mentioned, but um, I think uh, the vast majority of bomber fans and certainly the people here uh, dropping in class act and whatnot uh, in the chat, we'll realize that um, what Andrew Harris did for this community and this Winnipeg Blue Bombers team will never be forgotten. And uh, who knows what the future holds, but I'll tell you what, the last five years have been pretty damn special. And, uh, you know, if it was his final game uh, as a Blue Bomber in the Grey Cup, I think we saw him sitting in the end zone, taking it all in, a very different celebration than 2019 against Calgary. Um, well, he will be always remembered as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. And I do hope that at some point, whether he's actually playing or coming back, um, you know, Andrew Harris will retire a bomber at some point and be celebrated as one of the most impactful players in the history of this organization. Um, all right, we're going to get to uh, back to some hockey talk. Murata Tesh is lined up. Uh, Donnie and the guys at Manitoba Battery. We are ready for spring, actually, folks. Um, you know, hopefully we are out of any more minus 30s and, uh, you know, two-day delays on CAA coming by to get your car. But the bottom line is you need to be uh, you need to be able to drive. You need to be able to uh, get that sucker started. And uh, if you have battery problems, Manitoba batteries, the guys that are going to help you out with it. Uh, best prices on batteries in town, a locally owned family company that 
will get you your battery for about a hundred bucks, including a core exchange for most makes and models. And they'll deliver it to you anywhere in the city, same day ordered by one thirty for $115. And for you folks taking advantage of some nicer weather and getting out on the ice for some ice fishing, get on down to Manitoba battery for those flasher batteries. That'll keep you catching fish all winter long. Manitoba batteries at 1026 Logan Avenue, 783-8787 or online at Manitoba battery. Dot com. Well, we just had Andrew Harris on the program. Uh, I know that there was a lot of 33 Harris's sold at Royal Sports over the years. Uh, they've got great Bomber Championship merchandise there as well. Maybe even a few Argo jerseys sold this year with uh, number 33 on for people that still want to support Andrew. Uh, but when you're thinking about licensed merchandise, there's only one place to go in town, and that's Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. Thousands upon thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, jerseys, and more, including tons of exclusives, CFL gear, Bomber gear, exclusive Grey Cup championship gear, NFL, NBA, and more, not to mention the massive hockey section, snowboards, fitness, and, of course, all the cool stuff over on the Kings skate, snow, and surf side. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pamina for the latest merchandise drops and deals and pop on down and see them at 750 Pemina Highway. And oh, our guys at Not Auto Corp are busy these days. I popped down there, checked out a couple of the Teslas on the lot. My God, are those incredible vehicles. Uh, but there's much more than Teslas on the lot. If you were thinking about a new car before you do anything, talk to the experts at Not. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Pop down and see them at Waverly and McGilvery or find out more online at not.ca. And of course, you can check out the Winnipeg Car Lab, which is now open and very busy as well, also over at Waverly and McGilvery. All right, well, some good news today for the Winnipeg Jets. Nikolai Ehlers was back and not in a no-contact jersey. What that might mean for tomorrow's big game against the Dallas Stars. Let's find out with our good friend Marat Atesh. First and foremost, uh, Marat, let's. Uh, how are you feeling, my friend? I mean, you uh, were one of the latest additions to the list last week. You powered through and joined us. How are you feeling right now? Where are you at? You know, I'm doing all right. I'm uh, I'm more frustrated through a sense of impatience at this stage. Got a little cough still. Got a little nose blowing, all that sort of stuff. We're on day eight. You know, day 10, I shouldn't be contagious anymore, so they say. Um, and, you know, I'm just really trying to, to wait it out and, and back to some semblance of of normal life but i got i got grocery deliveries as well taking care of everything's good well uh, love to see it and uh, i guess you've had a lot of time to uh, think and talk and write about the winnipeg jets uh, uh what did you think about the game on tuesday night i mean you were, weren't able to be in the building that was that was just a bananas hockey game between and frankly when you look at the seasons of those two clubs um maybe it makes sense that we saw a game that Frankly, it never happened before in NHL history. A 4-0 lead, blowing that 4-0 lead to 4-4, and then getting another four straight to win an 8-4 in a game that had a little bit of everything. I mean, I was first and foremost blown away by the speed of it all. I mean, Winnipeg was skating better after, like, on a first home game after a long break than I can remember them doing. Um, so that was impressive from a gameplay sort of standpoint. The fact that everything that they touched in that first period went in was another just like overwhelming. Okay, well, here we go. Okay, we'll see what this team can do. Um, and then I watched them sort of collapse around it. And how about giving up two goals for sure that, you know, are, are sort of poor quality goals. Um, and Winnipeg kind of needing to bail him out was an interesting look. I definitely had 
a deja vu way. Didn't we see this against the Colorado Avalanche not too long ago? Uh, sort of feeling when it came 4-4. But Winnipeg was playing a better game against Montreal than they did against Colorado. And the Montreal Canadiens um, are surging and have some offensive firepower, but they're not the Colorado Avalanche. And, you know, thankfully for Jets fans, they, the night ended in a nice way with something to cheer about. Yeah, it, it certainly did. Well, speaking of cheering at the end of the game, <laughs> uh, Chris Weidman decided that he'd be the guy that would go at Mark Shifley at the end. Um, to call that a fight, I think, would be maybe a disservice to most of the fights of the year, but it was an <laughs> attempted fight. And then, um, and then you know, Mark Shifley with a little gesturing to the crowd coming back after that um, little kerfuffle um, has ticked off some of the members of the Montreal Canadiens and maybe some people outside it. Um, I think people in Winnipeg really saw that differently than maybe most other people. I'm the first to admit, as I said this to Remus before, if that's a game between Florida and Minnesota with the same background, just with different players, and I'm seeing that, I'm probably going like, oh my God, that's a tough look. Like, what's this guy doing? I didn't really take it as being malicious at all. Uh, but I did sort of expect that reaction maybe from some others. Uh, but in particular, Josh Anderson after the game said, well, it's uh, it's a good thing we play them again later on. Um, what did you make of it? Uh, and what do you think the after effects of that is when it comes to uh, that game in early April between Winnipeg and Montreal? Well, I'll start with the end first. I mean, the idea that Montreal is upset about it, I think makes sense from their perspective, right? Like they don't have the Logan Stanley history they probably don't think it's very cute or funny that Mark Stifley is celebrating one of the few fights he'll ever have. They probably just see that as the disrespect of going to the crowd after what I think the analytics would call a fight attempt as opposed to a successful fight. Um, that was a well, well put on your part. So I think from Montreal's perspective, they probably look at that and think it's a little bit goofy and probably do put that in the back of their minds heading into that next game, which is funny because... I mean, how long has it been since the Jake Evans hit, which, you know, certainly I criticized at the time and certainly, you know, Mark Seifley paid the consequences for the idea that even going into the game, we were talking about retribution or a fight and all that sort of stuff. Honestly, to me, Huss, that was a big joke. It was making something like it was so long ago. There have been so many games played, so many storylines that Seifley had to answer for anything. Kind of makes me laugh. But now... Now, after that gesture, knowing how it would look in that Montreal room, maybe next uh, next game there is a little bit of fireworks in a more deliberate way, something less fight attempt and more fight proper. Now, listen, I mean, I was pretty um, indignant with Tim Peel today on Twitter with the shot that he That's took at him, and I thought that was, you know, garbage. Um, but I, I do understand from a Montreal perspective, we know what the Montreal fans are like. God knows we know here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, thinking back to when we started the show in that series last year with them coming in here and making their presence well known after that. Um, but I do think that, you know, Mark in, a, in a, a number of times has sort of missed the opportunities to really quell this. Um, like I thought it was unfair going into the game when Tim and friends and TSN and Sportsnet are all putting plastic things. If Jake wants to fight, I'll fight him. And, you know, making the most of a very simple answer to a more nuanced question that referenced Blake Wheeler and, and Evgeny Malkin. Um, but, you know, the lack of any real apology and whether he felt that he should or not. I mean, again, it was an opportunity, I think, to quell things. And then 
you know, what happened there. I thought it was just maybe a poorly timed or a lack of awareness, uh, maybe of a guy that's not normally in those situations as to what that would do. Uh, but to me, it was anything but putting it out. And if you told me with two minutes left in the game, asking me if anything was going to happen, I'd be like, no, obviously not. That ship has sort of sailed. And then it was a 5'9 guy that wasn't even on the team last year that decided he was going to be the guy to step up. I mean, there's a bunch of things that don't compute. But if this does become a bigger issue, I do have to say that a lot of it probably could have been avoided if Mark had maybe handled a few things in different opportunities better at the time. 1,000%. Completely on board with that. Weidman as well, we should say. I mean, that's an interesting choice on his part. And we don't know for a fact that his kerfuffle with Shifley was Jake Evans attached. May have been an emotive thing that just happened. But if it does tie to that, then certainly, I mean, that's a questionable decision on Weidman's part. I can't make sense of it. Um, with Shifley engaging in that at all i mean to give fuel to something that really was an eight four situation not particularly wise i think likely just an emotional caught up in the moment guy with that sort of the fans i don't think he's referencing anything in that history i think he's probably like his heartbeat is racing he, he's just blown away by the fact that he's been in the second quote-unquote fight of his career and is trying to have some fun with it i, I think I think he's missed some jokes before, and I, I think that from Montreal's perspective, that would be a miss as well. Um, to the point about the apology, I agree with you there, Hus, and that's, that's an interesting thing that I think Shifley is a little bit brought on himself. He did, as part of his first availabilities and all of that, make sure to say that he was sorry and that he apologized to Jake Evans. But everything that came after that was sort of self-defense, was sort of, you know that line about player safety being out to get him instead of the, or shut him down instead of the Montreal Canadiens, all that sort of stuff. I think at that time he made it worse and maybe puts in the back of our minds this idea that there was something to it um, that should last this long. But I think even after, I agree, I think he made it worse. I don't think I ever really enjoyed Mark Shifley's apologies or attempts at them last summer. It's still been an awful long time. And, and that's kind of what gets me. To your point as well, this is something that sort of bothered me. Um, Mark Shifley was asked 12 questions that day, 12 questions that morning skate that he spoke to. Five of them were about hockey, seven of them were about series, and, and I think a, a large number of those as well were about Jake Evans. Nearly a year after the fact, Sean Reynolds' question was nuanced, like you say. It referenced the Evgeny Malkin incident, Blake Wheeler, all that sort of stuff. And yet, that one line, which was such a minority of Shifley's work count, this idea, if he wants to fight me, I'll fight him, great. Like, was, for that to become the story, Shifley tried to talk about hockey. I have issues with his apologies from last summer, like I say. But I think that he tried to bring that conversation around to the hockey in front of him a few times on that day. And it was just silly that that became the story. And it's even worse in hindsight now that his gesture is going to get interpreted by Montreal. And like, I understand their perspective that this is going to last even longer. It's going to be done. You know what? It, it, you're, you're exactly right. And, and listen, there are areas of the media that will pounce on any opportunity to uh, get some clicks and to get people talking about a particular thing. And that's exactly what that had happened. But I will say this, and Remus made this point, you know, earlier today, and I think yesterday when we were talking about it, any other answer 
other than, well, yes, I would answer that. And yes, I would if Jake Evans came to me and he would been painted as a coward, as a chicken bleep guy that does a cheap shot and won't answer for it. I mean, he had absolutely nothing else that he could say. And then a lot of people took and ran with it and have turned it into something bigger which again would have been done at the end, but uh, it just sometimes a, a little bit of extra excitement or a, a poorly timed gesture um, can pour some gas back on, uh, on the fire. So I thought that we'd be done talking about this after the game on Tuesday. I can pretty much guarantee you that we won't be heading into April. Uh, but what's important in the meantime is that this team can win enough games that that is an important game for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, and that's going to start with these next three games. You, of course, I mean, of all of our guests are the most, um, you know, learned and intelligent when it comes to analytics. I've got to ask, and I'm sure you've seen this so far today. I'm not as familiar with the calculations and how Jay Fresh Hockey puts it together, but I think mo most of us know him. We've got some great graphics to make a lot of this information maybe easier for average fans that uh, haven't done a lot of research into analytics. No. Fired out today a bunch of top 10 lists of players in the National Hockey League. And the lowest projected forward defensive war. Um, this is uh, projected wins added from individual impact on X goals against at even strength. And this is based on a three-season weighted average. Uh, Mark Scheifele, worst in the league at minus 1.3. Kyle Connor at number four at minus 1.1. And Blake Wheeler at, at five at minus 1.0. Can you explain to us what that means first and foremost? And then um, let's talk a little bit about how the Winnipeg Jets have three of their most important players in the top five of a list that you probably don't want to be on. Yeah, I mean, this is a great question and a great topic of conversation for, for Jets fans, observers, everybody. Um, so Jay Fresh, first of all, um, does a really good job of compiling other people's stats and presenting them in unique visuals. So that's what you're seeing there. The wins above replacement that's being talked about and these stats that show Shifley, Connor, and Wheeler looking so poor defensively, that comes from EvolvingHockey.com and, and their war model, wins above replacement, is what spells out war in this sort of situation. So what Jay Fresh has done is put together kind of a catchy visual around it. Um, with respect to the actual calculations, what you're looking at primarily for the defensive component of, of war is Chance, scoring chances against the Winnipeg Jets um, with those players on the ice, with some added math to try to separate their impact from, well, well if Mark Shifley plays with Kyle Connor today and has these stats and he plays with Nick Ehlers tomorrow and has those stats, you know, you use a little bit of math to try to suss up, well, what's Mark, is Mark Shifley, what, what is his real impact? Because he might have different results depending on who he plays. And that's what this core model is trying to do. Um, and specifically identifying defense would be looking at the expected goals against the Winnipeg Jets, the shots, the shot attempts against the Winnipeg Jets, where they're coming from, what types of shots. And what they've found is that based on the context uh, of the minutes that Shifley, Connor, and Wheeler play, um, there's a disproportionate amount of high-quality scoring chances based on where they are on the ice, the middle, the center slot, the house, the area of the ice that, you know, players are taught to defend from the time that they play minor league hockey, there are more of those with those players on the ice against Winnipeg than their quote-unquote should be from a mathematical point of view. And 
you know, we, we, we can put our eye test to that. We, we see them play against tough, uh, tough opponents. We see a Shifley flyby here, there, or the other place. We know another important thing. Jay Fresh's stats here, look at the last three seasons with the most recent seasons weighted pretty heavily. But we know a good chunk of this sample involves Blake Wheeler with cracked ribs and, you know, some COVID recoveries early this season as well. So they're going to look a little bit worse than probably they should. But also a big part of that is on them. And it's, it's unique for such star offensive players to, to look so poor defensively. And when you watch them play defense, I mean, they do get buried in their own zone. And you, you can watch you can watch their flybys. And you, especially, I would say, probably Mark Shifley at the center, the most important of the three, um, has played some poor defense compared to other superstars of the team. Now, um, you know, for, for folks that are listening on the podcast, um, the, the list goes like this. Shife's number one. Brady Kachuk's number two, Patrick Kane is three, Kyle Connor four, Blake Wheeler five, our old pal Patrick Laine number six, Jake Ensel number seven, Leon Dreisaitl number eight, Alex Ovechkin number nine, Jonathan Duran number 10. Most of those players you would love to have on your hockey team. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. a, like if I didn't tell you what the list was for, you'd probably say, hey, that's a pretty good neighborhood to be in. Um, what does this say about the fact that these numbers are so many of the top players in the league? And um, does this just basically tell us that a lot of the top players in the league can outscore their problems? And in the Jets case, maybe that hasn't been happening. And that's a bit of the reason why we're talking about a team that's still uh, hanging on by a thread. I mean, yes, on all fronts, really, to, to be honest. I mean, the, the most important thing, no matter how the job gets done, no matter how flashy it is, no matter how many points get put up, a player has to outscore what they give up, create more than you give back, right? And the thing that Mark Shifley has historically done phenomenally well is create so much that the fact that, yeah, the Jets give up disproportionately more chances with him on the ice and his defensive game is not particularly sound, he can puck watch, all those sorts of stuff happen. Well, He's been so good offensively that if you look, if you look at his overall impact, he's helped the Jets not only win but win so much in proportion to that 6.125 million contract. He's been a valuable, valuable player. Um, so you could get more mileage out of a Mark Shifley if he played harder defense, back checked more effectively, puck watched less often, won his bats more often. But that's not to say he wasn't helping the Winnipeg win because he absolutely was. There are few players that create as much as him. And there are guys across the league that match a similar profile that, you know, a Leon Dreisaitl is just a more extreme version of the same. His defensive impact is poor, but he creates so much and you can count on him to create so much. I mean, you can see his passing. You can see his physicality. You can say the same about Mark Shifley. When he changes directions in the offensive zone, he fools guys. He has timing uh, plays that, that people don't figure out. His passes create, create, create. And this year, for the first time, especially for the first half of the season, well, the guy wasn't finishing, and neither was anybody else on his line. So, you know, maybe we're spending more time talking about it because the microscope comes out. Suddenly, he wasn't really helping the Jets win as much as he typically does, and that's an issue. So how do you improve that? Well, you know, Shifley starts finishing. His line mates start finishing like they've done since the All-Star break, mostly. And you can say, okay, well, boom, the Jets are, you know, having success with him on the ice again. Or another angle, which we all have hoped for, but I don't think is on the on the distant horizon here, 
is that famed Steve Eiserman moment where this offensive superstar maintains most of his offense, but suddenly at some point in his mature career, you know, doubles down on that defensive commitment to his game. However you get it done, as long as you're creating more than you give back, you help the team win. And I think for Mark Shifley, his biggest strength is strictly on that creation, his offense. He generally um, has had so much success on that that you'll take a little bit of the defensive issues, even if you wish they weren't there, and still he'd be a positive player. Murat Atash of The Athletic with us uh, here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, the first thing I saw, I thought of when I saw this list of Shifley at one, Connor at four, and Wheeler at five, is what would Paul Maurice think if he saw this right now? What, <laughs> what do you think? I mean, these guys were basically together for so long and were the, the default setting when, you know, things need to be changed up or things going well went back. I mean, uh, is, is that something where you think there's just a different philosophy or it was something that, hey, I know you got to take the good with the bad and hopefully it'll be a night where um, these guys are going to light a few more lamps than the other guys despite what, you know, the white knuckle ride that might happen inside their own blue line. Well, you know, there are a couple of really memorable conversations I've had with Paul Maurice about defense from forwards. And the most recent I can think of was on the road in California in October when I was asking him about Mark Shifley's defensive impact. And he said, well, you know what? After about game one in Ed, uh, against Edmonton last year in the playoffs, we were really happy with Mark Shifley's defensive game. And that stood out to me for a number of reasons. One, because my own eye test matches that. You know, the way that Shifley adjusted his forechecking, his backchecking against Edmonton was really quite good. So you have this belief that he's capable. The other thing was Maurice highlighted a very small sample of Shifley's recent body of work. So you're looking at that full season last year that saw him get benched. Well, there are some issues there defensively that I think Maurice was sort of acknowledging there. Another really memorable conversation that I had with him in a one-on-one -on -one setting was about defense from Winnipeg's forwards wingers. So Patrick Laine at the time, Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle Connor. And Maurice told me that he almost never needed to show Kyle Connor defensive video clip. And um, he rated Kyle Connor's defense kind of on another level. And I remember thinking at the time, because the metrics were already showing that Kyle Connor was an all offense, very little defense sort of player. I, I was kind of trying to reconcile those sorts of things. And I think that what Winnipeg has kind of missed out on in that Paul Maurice era with Connor Shifley Wheeler as the go-to was really developing that complete 200-foot game as much as possible from the stars, especially Connor and Shifley, because Wheeler went healthy and Wheeler in his prime has generally had good defensive metrics. Like He doesn't typically grade out near the bottom of the league. Throughout his prime, Wheeler was pretty good. And I think in 2017-18, when that line was so good, well, you have a closer to prime age Wheeler making up for a lot of the, the deficiencies. Plus you have Bufflin, plus the defense core is great, plus everybody's scoring. So they're outscoring their problems. And I think that there was this opportunity to sort of build a little bit more structure and defensive responsibility into those guys' game. And I think that that is an issue that is going to persist in their careers. That was a missed opportunity based on the previous genre because in that amazing 2017-18 season, that line got it done. And I think I think that that's going to continue to haunt these guys' careers a little. Um, you know, mentioned the Wheeler numbers, and I'll be honest, I was surprised to see Wheeler there. Um, 
you know, because of many of the things that you just mentioned, I mean, over the course of a much larger body of work, we, we, there's not on that list. Um, and I guess this is maybe a question for how these numbers are put together, but I mean, how much of Blake Wheeler being on this list has to do with him playing so much with Kyle Connor and particularly Mark Shifley, who are higher than him on that same dubious list. You know, a little bit would because I mean, there is some interesting math that goes into it that does its best to isolate that, to really, really separate out players so that, you know, Wheeler certainly has played with Connor and Shifley, but he's played with other players too. And he's played against other players in different combinations. And and the math is pretty good, but not perfect, in my opinion, at sussing that out. I think another really big driver for why Wheeler shows up so poorly is because these samples weight recency more. So this season and last have a much bigger weight on that really bad negative number than than past year's numbers would do. And we can remember when Wheeler was playing with that cracked rib, and I have a video I took on my cell phone of him just wheezing in pain and agony on the bench after one of his shifts. He wasn't playing Blake Wheeler defense during that chunk of time. And I think the kind of chances that we've seen go against that line in, in that time were real. I think that he, in the, especially during that large chunk of time last season, and during parts of the beginning of this season as well, probably full value. And because recency gets weighed more by this model, I think that it's sort of outshining some of uh, his past strength in that regard. He's been pretty good in his own zone, and he's been great at keeping the puck out of his own zone. You know, when he was flying through the neutral zone, laying the shoulder down, bulldogging his way uh, through the prime of his career. You know, he's generally been pretty good as a defensive player. You know, an interesting question, and I apologize to whoever uh, hit this in the chat because I knew it was a little a little ways back, but someone said, um, you know, we're sort of using this number and this list and what we've just talked about to say that it's crazy that Kyle Connor is killing penalties for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, from my perspective, I mean, I really like when Kyle's out there on the ice. I mean, I think he's got the speed to disrupt things, and we've seen on a number of times you know, when he does get a stick on a puck and all of a sudden gets it, can, you know, turn that the other way for opportunities. Is there any correlation to things like penalty killing when it comes to a strict measurement of five-on-five five defense? No, because the, the model would, would look at five-on-five separately than it would look at the PK or the power play or four-on-four four because hockey looks different in those situations, right? Like, it wouldn't make sense to compare five-on-five five play to four-on-four four or three-on-three. All of that's even strength, for example, but three-on-three overtime is one thing, five-on-five is another. Separate those things out. And there's three reasons, I think, from like an analysis point of view, that I would really support Kyle Connor on the PK. First, um, the speed and the good stick. The things that he's good at from a defensive point of view are making reads when the play's in front of him. He has a great stick. He knocks down passes. And certainly that speed and transition and creating a little bit of offense I mean, you like that. And to that degree, I think I value him on the people. You also look at, I mean, the the Dave Lowry numbers since December to now, Winnipeg's had a top 10 PK. Um, and part of that is the use of Kyle Connor in a big, big way with Andrew Kopp and then Paul Stastny. They've gotten good results. So that's something I continue to support. The other thing I want to kind of urge folks to consider is how different defense is at 5-on-5 and, and, and on the PK. On the PK, what these guys are looking at is almost 100% in front of them at all times. So if they're puck watching, that's largely okay. If they're As long as they're in the lane and in the right position, there's a lot less backdoor stuff. There's a lot less cycling. There's a lot less 
um, keeping track of switches and all those sorts of things. The reads are simpler in a way, even though you know you're giving up chances more often, the reads are simpler. So there's a lot of people, a lot of players who I would trust in a four on five situation defensively, um, like Kyle Connor, and maybe even like a Mark Shifley who plays defense pretty well when there's one thing to handle it at, at a time. Um, Nick Ehlers, I would put in that regard as well, who maybe at five on five, they're more likely to lose a guy kind of backdoor or something like that. They'll puck watch for a second, somebody moves. That happens less at, less on the penalty kill, and these guys can have uh, even more success there. Murata Tesh of The Athletic with us here on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers was back, moving on to a new topic, and uh, fingers crossed, I mean, his return cannot come soon enough for this hockey club. Um, Cop Lowry Ehlers. Uh, That's the way it looked in practice today, and we certainly have seen Paul beforehand, and now Dave sometimes ease guys into the lineup. What do you think of that line? Um, you know, Ehlers playing along with uh, Lowry and Cop. Well, I, what do I think about that line? I want to say that it's a suggestion or a hint that he'll be eased back into the lineup. But, I mean, didn't they say they were going to ease Blake Wheeler back into the lineup? And then correct me if I'm wrong, but it took a couple of games. He was playing 20-whatever minutes. Same with Mark Shifley. Same with these guys that come back. I mean, I might be missing a, a, a brief period of transition, but I think that they tend to lean on their guys. So we'll see how long it lasts. And if it does last, then... I think it's more of an endorsement of what's happening on those other lines. I mean, um, like that Svechnikov boost to that second line has looked awfully good lately. And maybe you don't touch that right now because, I mean, they've created an awful lot with Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think that maybe there's a little bit of that that goes into it. Maybe there's a little bit of, well, that um, that top line of Stastny, Shifley, and Wheeler has mostly a created offense as well. I mean, they've been buried in the sort of plus-minus department, but they've scored as well. So maybe there's a little bit of that, but then when you actually look at the, at what you expect from the line, you usually expect it to be a shutdown matchup kind of line. And Nick Ehlers will help a team not play in its own zone because he skates so well. And, and, you know, I've seen videos like Mike McIntyre show shared one on Twitter. The guy's flying at, at practice. So that helps them defensively. You don't associate him as a tough as nail shot blocker or in zone defender. Like, Adam Lowry would be your Andrew Kopp, but maybe it's a sign. Maybe it's a sign that there's top nine offense and defense mixed throughout that, that lineup. And you can trust those guys. And maybe Adam Lowry's point streak is going to continue a little bit. Well, and something that we've talked about before, um, uh, Austin Pugnansky has been put on uh, waivers, presumably to uh, make room for Nikolai Ehlers, potentially head to the Manitoba Moose. At some point, I would like to see, and I know this is somewhat of a broken record, but to see David Gustafson get an opportunity and hopefully he can last longer than a portion of the first period. Because, I mean, I really do think that the option, if Ehlers all of a sudden is there, um, and again, Cole Perfetti's out right now, and we'll see what happens and where he slides back into the lineup when he does return. Um, but at some point this season, I would love to see David Gustafson on the wing with Andrew Kopp and, uh, and Adam Lowry. I mean... Doesn't that just make sense? I mean, I, I wrote about it in August thinking it made sense. We've talked about it over the course of the season thinking it made sense. I mean, in terms of David Gustafson might be the Andrew Kopp of the next generation of Jets. This guy that it can play a, a really tough two-way role, but then has enough offensive sensibility or can develop that to, to have an impact if forced up the lineup as well. I mean, I can see David Gustafson being a really good third-line center on a competitive, competitive team because he can do a little bit of everything. 
Uh, he certainly does that for the moose, and the guy just needs to stay healthy long enough to, to prove it at this point. Because I, I think that one of the strangest things that Winnipeg has done all season is that third line right wing situation. To give it to Christian Veselainen, uh, who has produced very little in the way of offense and isn't a strong defensive player necessarily. I mean, good for him. He gets a little bit of development time, but you know there have been other looks. Then Austin Pogansky, who's just been waived. I mean, getting that line, that opportunity as well. Um, credit to him for being a gamer and for skating hard and checking and all that sort of stuff. But those results aren't there either. The production isn't there. He was being asked to do an awful lot. And you sort of go down the list, and they've tried so many different looks there. One guy that they have in is David Gustafson. At some point, it's got to make sense. And you know, it may be a shame if he doesn't get that opportunity to go cop is perhaps on a different yeah, and and you know what I mean. I mentioned it since we spoke last. Um, you know, I went to the game on Saturday, and you know, really spent a lot of time focusing on Gustafson just to see how he looked. Did he have his wind? How was his skating? All of that, and I mean, he certainly looked ready. And one of the things that he consistently did, which you know would seemingly would be music to Dave Lowry's ears, was take the puck to the net. I mean, he's a big, strong guy. It sounds like he's been listening to the coaches. He knows where the goals are going in, and it's exactly how he scored his goal on Saturday. And, you know, a player like that with the defensive aptitude that he brings to the game that has a nose to going to these areas that the coaches want him, especially playing with two guys like that, would seem to be a match made in heaven. And uh, hopefully at some point we'll see it because I do think at least at this point, if he's not going to be playing center on that fourth line and you're looking for someone that fits with those two, um, to me, he certainly checks all the boxes. Hey, before we go um, tomorrow, uh, you know, it can't be overstated how important this game is against the Dallas Stars. I mean, Dallas has a game in hand on Winnipeg and they're six points up. Um, be interesting to see, you know, the New York Rangers come to town and Tampa in these other games. But, um, you know, in a lot of ways, if we want to be talking about, you know, these next games meaning something, although the National Predators have been struggling lately, I mean, they're still pretty high up there. Um, this, is, this is it tomorrow for the Winnipeg Jets on home ice. Yeah, absolutely. Especially given the point lost with that lead in the third period against Dallas in Dallas. I mean, every point matters. One of the things that's tough for Winnipeg right now is that they're chasing a few teams, including Dallas. And those teams are going to play against each other. So there's a guarantee of at least a point going to each of these teams or, you know, approximately that uh, on the aggregate. And because of three-point games, slightly more than a point per game is going to go to somebody that Winnipeg doesn't want to get um, get points. So to the extent that the Jets have any control over their own destiny at all in a four-point game like this, a team they're chasing, a team they've recently lost to, a team that they need to take down a peg, I mean, they need a clean win. and they need. For their own sake, I would say, I mean, okay, they beat Arizona, they beat Montreal, they need to start beating some of the teams that they're chasing, they need to sort of get that validation for the way they played. I was so worried for them against uh, against Montreal, because Hellebuck doesn't give two awful goals up in a game particularly often. If that had slipped away with Winnipeg playing such a good, fast, aggressive first period at home, like they need, I guess not only do they need the wins, but they need the morale and they need the, the confidence not to to have their heart race to a out off the charts every time they give up a goal like has needed to be the case recently because of some of the ways that they've lost games so 
I mean, from a million different angles, Huss, yeah, completely agree. It, it couldn't be a more important game. And I certainly think that it will be uh, Connor Hellebuck for this next stretch of games. I can't imagine it being any different, but there have been, and listen, that was not a banner night for a heli. Although when this team needed him the most, I mean, that penalty shot save uh, on Picklick to me was the biggest play in the game because, you know, there was a ton of pucks going in to keep one out in that situation, which would have put the team behind I thought was the, you know, was probably the key play in the entire game. But uh, what do you make of Halibut? And I mean, I think we all know he's going to need to be better than uh, he was against Montreal. But um, do you have any issues with Connor Halibut being the guy over the course of the next little while? No, that's why you have a goaltender of that caliber to, to play him. There, there are short samples within seasons of elite, elite goaltenders that don't look good. Stuff happens. That's, that's the way goaltending works. He is the guy. He's earned the right to be that guy. Winnipeg gets results with who has brought them to this point that has kept them in so many races over the past couple of seasons that they maybe didn't even deserve to be in outside of elite goaltending. So, yeah, he didn't look good on those two goals. And there's been a couple of them this season. Um, but he kind of grant fewered it out. He made the saves that he needed to make at the uh, towards the end of the game, including that penalty shot um, partway through. Um, so, yeah, I... I think that Eric Comrie has been a delightful story. Such good news to have a backup you can trust. But Winnipeg's going to go as far as their horses take them, and you need to be able to believe in Connor Hallibuck if this team is going to have any success at all. I, I have no, no pushback at all against the idea that he'll play a lot. Hey, uh, just one more for you, and I meant to ask this before, but it just got brought up in the chat. And, you know, and again, and people, if you're wondering, uh, you know, go to Jay Fresh Hockey and the explanations for each of the different charts is there. Some are for defensive impact, some are for offensive impact. Um, but one interesting member of the Jets that popped out on one of them was Dylan DeMello, who had the ninth best defensive impact amongst defenders. Now, this is for defensive impact. We know that he certainly is by no means an offensive dynamo. Well, what did you think of that? And what does that tell us about, um, you know, how Dylan DeMello, albeit very quiet and sometimes overlooked, is uh, helping the Jets in his own end in particular and win hockey game. I mean, there's two things that stand out to that uh, for me. One is that our whole lives we get told about stay-at-home defensemen. If we don't notice them very much, they're doing a good job. And I think the stereotype that we have of what that player looks like is that big bruiser who protects the, the center of the slot that knocks people down. And if you don't see them make a, an egregious mistake, they did everything right. The real modern version of that is the Dylan DeMello who makes that five-foot pass that puts his partner in a better position or who stays in position in his own lane such that his partner doesn't have to cheat or doesn't have to consider other um, you know, outcomes to a play that he thought had been sorted out. Uh, Dylan DeMello has for a long time had a positive analytical impact and it's because of the most boring quiet plays that you can find sure like any other defenseman he gets beat sometimes there are you know really big players that he has gotten beat especially in the first half of the season I thought this year as well but the guy like if you just look at his touches every time he picks up the puck makes a pass or whatever and you sort that out you compare it to a lot of other defensemen he makes things clean and I think that's a really positive thing. The other thing that stands out to me about this from a model perspective, like I said, math does its best to sort out context. But you think of Dylan DeMello and who he's played with. For example, on that third pairing at the beginning of the season, Logan Stanley was a common partner for him. 
That's where Logan Stanley had a tremendous amount of success. You move Dylan DeMello away, Stanley's played with Polio, he's played with Schmidt, and has not had a lot of success. So the analytics are probably going to make it seem like Dylan DeMello was a major driver behind that. I believe that that has some truth to it, and but the model is definitely going to pick that up. The other thing that happens is when you move Dylan DeMello to Josh Morrissey's side, and they start doing really particularly well, um, and then you compare Josh Morrissey's long list of partners over the past years, um, Dylan DeMello is going to look, because he does, he's going to look like he has a tremendous stabilizing effect defensively on Josh Morrissey, and, uh, and the model is going to pick that up as well. And just some of that is the context of who else Josh Morrissey has played with and how not so good that's looked over the last couple of seasons. Marat, this has been awesome. Uh, really enjoyed the mailbag this week. Uh, a number of interesting topics have been coming in. Uh, let me just give it a quick plug and uh, what else you've got co- over at The Athletic right now as we await your removal from the list. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know that the mailbag, I love mailbags because basically I answer the questions that people ask and then other people comment on and like. So that there's a real sense it's like I do it analytically. Lots of people want to know the answer. I, I, I do the deep dive on that. And, you know, the idea, because Frank Saravalli had mentioned it not too long ago, what if this is Mark Shifley's last season in Winnipeg? What would that look like? So every perspective from you never really look good when you're trading the best player in the deal to what would Winnipeg need back? What would be the pros and cons? We deep dive that. We talk about all these centers Winnipeg consistently plays on the left wing. We talk about, um, you know, all of the issues, the, the difference between Paul Maurice and, and Dave Lowry metric-wise and things like that. Basically stuff that's been pe- on people's mind, we deep dive. And then coming up as well, I mean, um, I, I got a couple of things. I have, a, I have a one-on-one with the Jet Lady this afternoon after this call that I'll, I'll, I'll turn into the best story I can. And I think, I think, I think it's safe to say, I hope it is, sorry, Pierre, but I think Pierre Lebrun has a one-on-one with Kevin Shevelday coming out at The Athletic tomorrow. So that'll be some nice added value for Jeff. Looking forward to that. Marat, thanks so much. Uh, be well. Looking forward to you. Uh, happy, healthy, and back in the peg sometime soon. Be well. Love it. Thanks, Oz. There he is, at WPG Marat. That's our great friend, Marat Atesh. And if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, what the heck are you waiting for? Get on over there. Great mailbag piece. And uh, I'll certainly be looking forward to uh, Marat's next one as he uh, teases that uh, – be uh, sitting down with the jet for a conversation this afternoon. So we'll take a look at that and I'll uh, talk about it with him next week here on the program. All right. We are going to hear from Nikolai Ehlers and Dave Lowry. Uh, Remo, if you want to get Ehlers ready first, I think everyone's excited to hear from Nick now that he's back in the lineup. Uh, before we do that, big cheers to our friends over at Little Brown Jug featuring the Little Brown Jug double right now as we get through the winter. Amazing wintry beer. A fall winter as well. It's been very popular and flying off the shelves lately. You can pick up the double, the 1919, the Brute IPA, and all the great tastes of the winter variety pack. If you pop down to the t- brewery and tap room down on William Avenue or your local beer store or Manitoba Liquor Marts. And for those of you that are having a tough time getting out of the house right now, Little Brown Jug delivers Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Go to Little Brown Jug ca make your order and get it delivered to your uh, spot citywide wednesdays fridays and saturdays all right briar gets going tomorrow i will be doing a briar preview coming up a little later on with our friends at cool bet canada so you can check out i'll retweet it on my twitter feed at hustlerama uh but make sure to follow the cool bet socials and 
Uh, we'll get into all of that. I know Rob Somerville was asking about a full Briar Field review. We'll probably get into that coming up a little later on. Don't have a ton of time for it. Uh, but I did talk to Reed Carruthers of Team Manitoba today, the uh, very proud uh, sponsors by Princess Auto. And uh, I said, uh, how's the squad feeling heading into tomorrow? Great ad with Colton Lott. And he said, all good. We don't start until Saturday ourselves. Great to have some youthful energy added to the squad. Uh, so Saturday, things get going for Team McEwen. And of course, Manitoba also has Jane, Jason Gunlickson's rink as one of the three wildcard squads looking for Canadian men's curling supremacy. That gets going tomorrow night out in Lethbridge. Uh, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of Team McEwen and curling across the country and the spot where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Check them out at one of two Winnipeg locations or start shopping online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And uh, tonight, a few games. We'll get to those in the Cool Bet lines a little bit later on. And uh, tomorrow, of course, Winnipeg and Dallas. If you're not heading to the game, best spot to be at is a Boston pizza sports bar with some of your pals enjoying some gourmet pizzas, Boston's wings, ice-cold schooners, and more. And, of course, if you are heading to the game before or after, go visit Crystal and the gang down at Boston Pizza City Place. And you can always order online and get your game day deals and more delivered to your home by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, as we mentioned, the big story coming out of Jets practice today was Nikolai Ehlers' return. Not in a yellow jersey, in a blue jersey, ready for contact. He was skating with Adam Drew Kopp and Adam Lowry on the third line. Hopefully, he'll be in for this huge game tomorrow against the Dallas Stars. And uh, with his return to a blue jersey, Nikolai Ehlers spoke today after practice. Here is the returning Jets star winger. Nikolai, how good does it feel to be back out there in a it's okay, you can go ahead and contact me, Jersey? <laughs> uh, I mean, it obviously feels great. Um, not just being on the on the ice uh, and practicing with the guys, but, you know, just uh, being around the guys, you know, uh, a couple of weeks alone here in Winnipeg while the guys are on the road is uh, it's not as fun as it sounds. <laughs> I know it was five weeks ago, but if it, if we go back to that night, you were as irate as I've ever seen you in your time here in Winnipeg, uh, right after the hit with Dimitri. Did you have a pretty good idea right then and there that this was going to turn out as severe as it, as it did? Uh, no. Um, I mean, I did feel that something was, wasn't right, um, but... I mean, I skated out by myself, and you know, I actually thought that I was going to be fine uh, to keep playing. Um, but when I stood up the second time out on the bench, um, it did not feel good. So, you know, I think I kind of realized that at that point that I wasn't going to be playing in, for a little while. But you never know until you get the actual result, and uh, it is what it is. Last one for me here. Uh, how, again, we don't know for sure what will happen tomorrow night, but you're skating with uh, one of the hottest scoring setters on the Winnipeg Jets right now. That's got to be a good thing. Oh, yeah. I already asked him what, what he needs from me. You know, he's the uh, hottest guy right now, you know. So, um, 
we've played together before. Uh, I've played with Copper a lot as well, obviously. Um, and I think today was was uh, a pretty good practice for for us to get some chemistry, and uh, and then we'll see. Did you hear from a guy like Orlov after a hit like that? And like, did you hear from him at all? Or yeah, yeah, or he just apologized? Yeah, yeah, okay. Does that help with the process of kind of reconciling what happened on that? Like, it was pretty dirty, so just wondering if that kind of helps you square it away. I mean, yeah, it was nice of him, you know, to shoot me a text. But it was also, you know, I mean, he went in there full on knowing he was going to go for my knee. Um, so, I mean, does it help a lot? No. I was out for for six weeks, um, and he was out for three days, you know, so, um, yeah. Was it nice to go home? I mean, you got to go home for a bit there, and with everything that happened yeah. kind of just prior to that. Exactly. Like you said yourself, everything that happened prior to that, you know, with my, my grandpa passing away. Um, being able to go home, uh, you know, you don't want to get injured, but if there's any, if there's a right time to get injured, that was it. Um, went home, spent a lot of time with my my family and my grandma, of course. Um, so, you know, I'm really thankful that I got to go home. You faced some injuries in your career before. How did this one go? Yeah, no. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. We'll, 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 we'll get that. Don't worry, Bowie. That's good. You've had some injuries in the past where you've, you've been out. How did this one stack up to getting back? I know it's you know lower body for you, um, just in the process. And how, how are you feeling today? And do you feel ready to you know get back in that you know that, the level of game you have? Um, yeah, I mean I've I've never really had an injury like this. Um, but you know I've been out for for six weeks more than more than once in my career, so um injuries take time, you know, yes, you do everything in your power to get back as quick as possible, but you know if you go back too early and get injured again, that's not gonna help anyone um so you know i've I've obviously done everything I could to get back as quick as possible, uh but injuries take the time that they do you know um and you know i think we've we've done everything the right way and um i feel good i feel confident um and i feel ready to go so yeah all right man adam lowry sure doesn't shut up <laughs> joking of course poor adam just sitting there every single question for nikolai ehlers today uh, but we'll be interested to see those guys together. Uh, great to see the smiles. And, um, man, it'd be nice to see some smiling Jet fans walking out of that building tomorrow because, man, this team needs a win. And uh, the return of Nikolai Ethers could not come soon enough. Now, um, speaking of Lowry's, um, you know, Adam Lowry didn't get a lot of questions there when he was sitting with Nikolai Ehlers. However, head coach Dave Lowry did speak to the media about the potential of Nikolai Ehlers' return tomorrow night and more uh, just a little earlier after practice. Here's Jungle Dave. How good do you feel about Nick Ehlers playing Friday night against the Dallas Stars? 
I think that uh, he's real close. I would think that uh, look where he was today. That probably answer your question. There's aside from the captain, obvious question. Uh, how much better all of a sudden does your hockey club become as a result of that? What more things can you guys do as a coaching staff with nine and 27 back in there? Well, I think you bring your top players and you put them in your lineup. You know, obviously it makes you a better team. Um, both these guys have missed periods of time. And there is going to be, you know, there probably will be some hiccups. But uh, expectation is is that he's ready to play. Copper came in and, and gave us a, a real strong game. And we probably expect the same. Was you, were you pleasantly surprised by how much impact Andrew did have in his first game back? No. I, I, that's who he is. Um, you know, uh, he, he did a lot of work off the ice. And then when he got uh, opportunity to work on the ice, you know, he, he's, a true, he's a true pro. And he was very diligent in, in his work. What you've seen against uh, the Coyotes and then, and, and then against the Canadians, do you, are you comfortable with where your game's at heading into three opponents? I know Dallas first, but three opponents that are, I guess, better than them in the standings at least. What, what do you mean? Are you comfortable with the game that you've established here in this two-game winning streak to, to go into Friday night and be successful? I like the way we're playing. You know, I, I like the fact that uh, you know we had we had a four-goal lead. We had a great start, and we, you know for whatever we gave up, we gave it gave up. We got a huge save. Found a way to stay with it. Found a way to win a hockey game. I like the way that uh, we showed some resiliency. Obviously, there's things that uh, you don't like. You know, you learn from that and you move forward. Maybe other than the results, have you seen anything different from the penalty kill that's led to what's been a pretty successful unit here the last while? The biggest thing is that uh, the detail and execution. And it is, you know, they're reacting. They're not thinking. They, they know their reads. They, they anticipate well. And uh, collectively, as a group, uh, they're dialed into what we're asking them to do. In that note, what you're asking them to do, is it that attention to detail, that quick on their reads, that's leading to that offense on the penalty kill? Or is, it, is trying to generate offense on the penalty kill more a philosophy? Is that what you're aiming to do? Well, the best way to kill a penalty is to play in the offensive zone, right? And uh, like I said, it's pressure. It is you know, intelligent reads and opportunistic. Does confidence play into that? Adam was just kind of talking about confidence and you know maybe it helps with the reads and maybe even to your point about it being you know more reactive than you know thinking about it. Does that kind of all tie together? I think confidence ties in with being comfortable with what what you're doing and understanding really what the reads are. Yeah, and we knew that uh, at the we didn't get off to a great start with the PK. And when you're fighting that battle uphill all year, you know, you have to look beyond the stats. And you, and you, you start, and, and we started uh, almost fresh December 1. And, you know, we, we changed our mindset as a group. Um, obviously, execution got better, but it got quicker. And we knew at the start of the year that we were going to have some new bodies in killing penalties, and there was going to be, you know, there was going to be a learning, learning period. Um, guys are comfortable now, and you know they take a lot of pride in it. All right, there's Coach Lowry.
I have to admit, I'm really coming around on Dave Lowry's uh, media availabilities. Um, like many fans and media, uh, you know, it was a uh, it was abrupt to lose Maurice, and you know, whatever your opinion of what he was doing with the hockey club, it was always must listen each and every time he stepped to the media. Uh, but you know, Dave, uh, he's got a bit of a, a dry sense of humor. And um, we're getting a little bit more out of Dave Lowry as of late, so I like it. And here's a comment from BA Split, and I could not agree with this enough. I like Dave, no excuses, time zones, a lot of games in a short time, injuries, never mentioned. I have noticed that. Well, Remus, I don't believe that we have heard the term time zones mentioned once in the year 2022. And I give the coach credit for that. I have a feeling that uh, that may be a banned word amongst the Winnipeg Jets, frankly, as it should be. Um, and uh, and it's refreshing to hear because um, everyone has to change time zones at times. And uh, n no matter how much you dwell on it, nothing will change. So uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm more in every day on Dave Lowry, at least with what he has to say uh, to the media and to the fans through them. Yes, uh, I'll agree with you there. We haven't heard uh, about the team's age at all experience i don't know if you've heard too much about that so uh, i do enjoy J dave's dry sense of humor you saw him smiling when it started knowing that nikolai ehlers is back um he's been joking around so it's good i did enjoy scott trying to get some some uh, juicy quotes from nikolai ehlers saying you know ehlers that was or nikolai that was pretty dirty hit wasn't it you're going to go try to, you know, ring his bell and see if he answers? <laughs> I don't know. I thought, <laughs> you know, we haven't, I uh, saw people, you know, Orlov's name in chat when it was mentioned. I guess, you know, they did text Ehlers saying, you know, I was out five weeks. Ehlers, Orlov was out three days. I do wonder, we'll have to get like a freaking Orlov cake or some, some kind of cake, I think, from DQ is going to be made when they return. We need to make it a big deal because I think... You know, we're seeing these Montreal fans, and it's even being the chat, they can't let it go on Shafley. And I think we're here, we're like, well, Orlov, you know, it's, you know, stupid that he only got two games, but you know what? We'll forgive him. But I think we need to rain down the booze on him very, very hard, uh, but respectful booing uh, next year. <laughs> respectful booing. That's yeah, right. Respect, hey, res keep Dimitri it classy. Orlov didn't make didn't make any fans in Winnipeg with that play on Nikolai res Ehlers. Respectful. And, uh, We're not going to go like the Montreal fans uh, off the rails. It we'll keep it. Be. We'll Although, keep it nice. just a quick shout out to Tom Brady's. Uh, was it Tom Brady's water? Uh, Tom Brady's trophy case. It was Tom <laughs> Tom Brady's? Uh, well, I won't even say. Uh, but anyways, Shifley should call in tomorrow morning to TSN six ninety and apologize to all Habs fans. Maybe they can sleep a little better after that. But snicker when he's about to hang up, LOL. I, I mean, in the continued character development and heel turn of Mark Shifley, um, that, uh, that, would be, that, that would almost be perfect from Tom Brady's trophy case because there has this entire heel turn, at least to everyone outside of Winnipeg, and maybe some people in Winnipeg, has been, uh, has been wrestling-esque, Remus, and... Um, I don't know. It's uh, it, it still is bizarre. If you had told me that there was going to be one guy that was being vilified like this around the league and thought of so differently, he would have probably been the last guy I would have picked. And yet, uh, and yet here we are. Yeah, I agree. I'm just reading comments in the chat. People are saying, what is respectful booing? I don't know. Maybe like not, not making like death threats. I don't know. Isn't that, I don't know. Not clean language. Just, 
going with yeah, the straight going with the straight boo and nothing yeah. more not tweeting at their family members yeah. and a uh, bunch of other things that uh, seem not accusing to be, uh, them of <laughs> being on drugs <laughs> yeah um, exactly and that's yeah. just the montreal media <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god what a what a circus that was uh, all right we do uh, let's get to the cool bet lines but just before we that uh, do that uh, man if you have not tried the new burger line at dq you best do that and do it soon. Um, DQ has stepped up the burger game incredibly. Uh, popped by DQ St. Anne's yesterday after I was picking up some of the new Upper Deck Series 1 cards. And uh, I have to tell you, they are as delivered. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, check out that Steakhouse Burger. Uh, double. Absolutely perfect. Uh, I did not get into a blizzard yesterday, but there were a couple of young ladies that were jumping on that red velvet blizzard, and it looked damn good yesterday. Um, so wherever you are, give support to the great people that support us, the Nick and Nikki DQ group, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And if you do need a, a cake for an upcoming event, maybe a Frick Orlov cake or uh, something else, as Remus just suggested, uh, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get the order. They'll get it all set up for you and have it ready for you to pick up fast and easy at your local Nick and Nikki DQ. Uh, well, today's Thursday, and you know what that means. Tomorrow's Friday. Friday means marbles and another chance to win another Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie with our friends at Canadian Club. Uh, the new shipment just came in during the show, in fact. Uh, shout out to Remus for uh, being able to uh, do a little double duty, taking the delivery and making it all happen here from the CTO desk. Uh, so tomorrow it's on. If you uh, haven't been there before, make sure you're joining us on YouTube right around now. Uh, final half hour of the show, we'll do the marble race. You'll have a chance to win, but make sure you're subscribed. So hit that red subscribe button. And give us a like as well on the uh, on the episode. Of course, Canadian Club, available at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Try the Canadian Club Original, Canadian Club 100% Rye, Canadian Club Special 12-Year Reserve, and more. And, of course, you can pick that up when uh, the Bombers are back at it as Canadian Club is the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines today. And I'll just do this quickly. Uh, Briar odds are up. Click on curling. We do have Briar uh, line, like first draw lines for tomorrow night. Uh, we wait until Saturday for Mike McEwen and Team Manitoba to go at it. And Jason Gunlickson. Uh, Gunner's a big, heavy underdog to Brad Jacobs, plus 330 in his first game. But Mike McEwen. Uh, reading the guys a heavy heavy minus 667 favorite in their first game against bc and laying three on the rock line although uh plus 110 and uh the entire futures are out there as well a couple numbers have changed a little bit uh brad gushu's gone up brad jacobs who we got on last week at plus 330 is now plus 275 manitoba for their part plus 1350 and a gunner would be a little bit of a Cinderella story. He is at 43 to 1. All your odds out there at Cool Bet Canada. Now let's check out tonight's action in the National Hockey League. And a pretty busy night. Sends at Panthers. Panthers heavy favorite, minus 385. Wild laying minus 182 in Philly to take on the struggling Philadelphia Flyers. A great matchup between the Penguins and Lightning in Florida. Minus 169 for Tampa. Carolina minus 122 at the Caps. 
Vancouver, a minus 104 slight underdog against the Islanders at their new home over in Belmont, minus 114 for the Islanders. The Oilers, a road favorite, minus 147 at Chicago. Uh, Avalanche, minus 357 on the road against the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, you got the Cabs and Flames going at it. Flames, a massive 385 favorite. And the Boston Bruins, after they uh, pasted the Kings, move on to Vegas. And uh, Vegas, minus 102 as a home dog tonight. Remo, uh, not sure whether you're thinking bets or thinking DFS, but uh, what interests you from tonight's lineup in the uh, National Hockey League? Pretty busy night. Very busy night. I was looking at uh, putting in my lineup for DraftKings earlier. Uh, the Panthers, you know, huge favorites. Wild, I thought was interesting. Um, but uh, as term for so, I was on on those teams as well. Um, I don't. I'm gonna be honest. Like, I'm not a huge. I'm more of a fantasy guy than a betting guy. So I was eyeing the uh, who's I. I was eyeing the Flames against Montreal. Um, Montebo. Give us a couple overs. Give us a couple overs. I mean, if you're looking for points, I mean, hey, we'll take it however we can get it. Six is the total between Calgary and Montreal. Calgary's been scoring a lot, and nothing from what we saw in the Habs makes me think that they're going to be having many unders anytime soon. No, I was leaning. I was leaning there for for lots of goals. That line, the Gaudreau, Lindholm, Kachuk line, really clicking. So I was leaning them. Oilers, they're continuing the road trip in Chicago. I would like the Oilers. They want to hit the over on that one. Chicago was in a big uh, goal fest the other night as well. Um, so those two games uh, I find interesting. We're looking for straight over unders. Well, as I said, wherever you want to go tonight, get on over to coolbet.com. If you haven't bet there before, mm-hmm. use the promo code WST for a 100% deposit up to $200 on your, uh, your first deposit. Remo, what's going on tonight? Uh, I'm hoping to, well, there's no Jets game on, but I'll probably be wait watching this Calgary game later. Uh, my wife and I are finishing up the TV show Euphoria on HBO. I don't know if you're familiar with this. It's a, uh, teen drama. Of course I'm not familiar it's with it. It's te- teen drama, but with like major, uh, drug use and sex. It's a wild, uh, wild high school life these teens live so uh very good show uh euphoria but i do want to feel with that as a young father does it scare you thinking about what uh what young evan has to look forward to when he gets into high school (laughs) in the uh in the euphoria world this is a fictional fictional world i i hope based on a true story maybe i'm not sure (laughs) but uh i always see tracy's giving a shout out to the moose game tonight um last night we mentioned us we did give out uh two tickets to or sorry package of tickets to the ice game and we did get an email us i didn't share this with you dodger 51 said uh, thanks so much for the ice tickets we had a great time even though they lost in a in a shootout and never miss your shows because they're excellent and i love sports talk thanks for all you do and thank you dan and uh, we do have more ice tickets i do want to uh Give a yeah. give a message as well. Well, and exactly. And how you get on those is, folks, head on over to winnipegsportstalk.com. Click on contest. Uh, you can pop your entry in. I believe our next seats are for Tuesday's game. Um, and, you know, we've got ice tickets for the remainder of the season. So get in there. We'll be giving a numbers, uh, number out throughout the year. And we've also got some moose tickets as well. Uh, congratulations to Corey, who won the Wheel of Winners yesterday after Jeff Malott. By the way, if you missed yesterday's program, yesterday's show was awesome. 
um, we had, uh, you know, some really good, uh, good chats. Um, Hamilton was great, hit a number of topics. Uh, but I got just amazing feedback on our Jeff Malott interview, Reem. And uh, I knew uh, a, a friend of my uncle's who was involved with Cornell was quite interested in seeing how Jeff's doing after his four years over at Cornell University. And I believe he might be tuning in today. So uh, shout out, Mr. Carlson. Great to have you on board. Um, but man, he was just phenomenal. I thank Dan Fink for that. And um, the plan is to get Malott back on the program uh, as the Moose get ready for the playoffs. Uh, you know, all things going well, continuing, uh, there'll be a playoff spot. So we will have playoff hockey downtown. would be nice to have the Jets involved. That might be a long shot right now, but the Moose looking real good. But um, just a great interview. I mean, talking about his career and, of course, the walk-off viral moment of the weekend from hockey with uh, his shootout winner on Sunday afternoon. He's great. I mean, yeah, you'd expect a guy from Cornell to be uh, well-spoken and uh, it was a good story. And, you know, he's like, I didn't think about it. They just opened the gate and I was like, all right, I'm out of here. Let's go. So that was definitely the viral moment of the weekend. The Jeff Malott walk-off, I want to say home run, but no, it was walk-off shootout goal. So there you go. And, and you know, mentioned interviews as well. Andrew Harris, great to have him on. Glad that it, we were able to uh, fit it in. I did enjoy at the end, Huss. It seemed like you came back there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I wonder where you were. You were getting ready to leave already. I was gonna grab something, but I'm listening attentively okay, towards sure. the end with Andrew. I was Harris. gonna say at the end of the Harris interview, you almost called him a member of the Blue Bombers. It just rolls <laughs> off the tongue. I, I, dude, I. It's it's never gonna seem normal to have Andrew Harris in bl double blue. Um. You know, as I said, I, I get a, I just think about, you know, how excited I was talking about, you know, Andrew Harris coming here from the BC Lions and what that could mean for the Bombers going forward back in 2016. And, um, you know, he delivered on every single thing that he said when he got here. He wanted to be a big part of a culture change here in Winnipeg, wanted to create a winning culture, wanted to create a championship culture that ended with a gray cup and they did it not once, but twice. And, you know, as I said, and he's spoken in a couple of other interviews and said, I mean, you know, you can't really go around having regrets. I'm sure there's some things that uh, he and the team wished maybe happened differently. Uh, but, you know, honestly, whatever happens next year, none of that is going to diminish the incredible contribution he had to, um, you know, such an incredible turnaround that's taken the bombers from being a joke in the Canadian football league. And uh, something that probably was, you know, for the majority of sports fans here in Winnipeg, if they cared about the Bombers, something that, you know, was really hard to go through to something that is the source of incredible pride here right now in Winnipeg that, you know, we've got a team that has back-to-back -back championships and, you know, was going for a three-peat. And, you know, would I have loved to have Andrew Harris part of this team next year? Absolutely. Uh, but listen, nothing, no one will ever be able to take away what he did for this hockey, for this football team. And, um, you know, I know the 99.9% uh, .9 of Blue Bomber fans are going to hope that he goes and uh, has a monster season with the Toronto Argonauts and continues a, uh, his Hall of Fame career. If you missed Andrew Harris, he joined us earlier today on the program. Uh, you can back it up if you're listening on YouTube or if you're on the podcast in about the first 20 minutes or so of the, uh, of the game. Um, all right, Remo, this is what I was going to ask, and I want to ask people uh, if they got a hold on one second here. All right, I think I know what Hustler is going to grab. We will wait and see. He's for you on the podcast. He's gotten up from the chair. He's back sitting down. His I'm, headphones I'm, are on. <laughs> right, people on the podcast don't know. 
That's right. That's right. I had to make a quick stop. I'm holding right here, folks, a box of the new Upper Deck Series 1 hockey cards. Shout cool. out to uh, Mike over at Sports Card Connection. Uh, a couple of the stores were sold out right afterwards. I made a call after the show and popped by and picked some up. The the opening of hockey card season, like when the Upper Deck Series 1 always comes out. Now, for Jets fans, this isn't really that exciting of a set because there's no Jets young guns in Series 1. I imagine in Series 2, there will probably be a number of them because, you know, the amount of guys that made their NHL debut and Dylan Sandberg and Declan Chisholm and Austin Pogansky, certainly. Um, but it's always cool. So I don't know if, if the Earl of Eli's in here, Earl of Eli is definitely in there. And, um, I'm hoping we're actually going to get into a little break with dusty tonight out in Edmonton, cracking a case or a half a case, which should be a lot of fun, but I am interested if anyone else is, uh, already on, it's not an unboxing yet, but I did bring this up. Remus, you'll be very proud of me. I did not immediately crack all these packs. So if we do want to do a pack opening on Winnipeg Sports Talk at some point, or maybe bust a box. I will uh, do my best. I'll watch the break tonight and try and keep these intact, and maybe we can do an unboxing or a, or a, a little crack packing on WST, or yeah. maybe an additional little video at some point over the course of the weekend or something like we that. We need, man, we need, uh, we need to do a big unboxing, go through them. Man, if you get a big hit, you can go pretty viral on uh, on TikTok on it. We're big TikTok guys now, so... Uh, yeah, who yes, would have thought here. big on TikTok? That's the way we do it. And it's not just dances. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> what was that? I don't know. I don't know. That was my uh what that was, was my that? spur of the moment oh my uh, God. TikTok dance imitation. Holy jeez. Yeah, were they were they like point at stuff and like word bubbles pop up? I've seen those ones. That's uh, good. I've seen those ones before. How much how much training do you think it would take for you and I to be able to do a choreographed 15 second TikTok dance? How many weeks? Oh, I don't think it would take that much. <laughs> I think we could do it for sure. I don't think it would take, take a lot. Oh, man. Hey, I got to give a shout out to Dan Milburn. The Earl himself is in the chat. Um, the Earl was kind enough to uh, grab me a spot in this break tonight with Dusty. You because, got one? Uh, it filled up. Well, yeah, I, I was going to get you to do it for me. Yeah. And then I realized that, man, that's in the middle. I knew Dan was going to be all over it. So he got me one and, uh, and a good thing because it filled up in a minute. Yeah. One Dust, minute. Dusty posted this break on his Facebook group, Dustin Nielsen, uh, doing card break. And I was like, oh, this is actually an affordable break. I can get in on this. Filled up in a minute. Yeah. Well, and so, especially because of the case, there is six boxes. There's 12 boxes. He did six last night and they didn't hit any of the big ones. There was actually some really cool, unique cards, but there was no Zegers. There was no Caulfield. So I think everyone's pretty horny that there might be some nice, uh, some nice hits tonight. So uh, we'll report back on that tomorrow for, uh, for, for all you uh, hockey card wonks. Tomorrow's going to be a great show, though. Dale Weiss is going to join us. We'll get his thoughts on uh, the latest between the Jets and his former team, the Montreal Canadiens. Talk to him about playing out in Europe and uh, likelihood finishing up his pro career. We will also talk with Ken Weeb. We'll step into the mind of Weeb's world. Not sure where he's at. I think he's still down south for a little bit, but obviously we'll talk Jets with Ken. And then uh, we'll get Hacksaw back on. We haven't wasted any breath on Major League Baseball and where they're at, but Lee's seen a lot of this beforehand. We'll get his take on it, hit a number of the top stories. And of course, 
marbles at the end of the program. Do not miss it. Um, folks, if you are into curling in about 20 minutes, I'll be jumping on with the Cool Bet Boys and we'll be uh, rolling through our thoughts on the upcoming Briar. And uh, most importantly, do us a favor, hit that subscribe button, make sure you like the episode, tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk, and uh, join us tomorrow at 1 p.m. Huge thanks to our sponsors, Cool Bet, uh, Canadian Club, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, F Apparel, Vita Health, and our friends over at Culligan Water. Uh, thanks to Andrew Harris and Murata Tesh for joining us today. Great stuff from both of those two great friends of the program. And, of course, all of you for making us a part of your day. I will finish off today by saying Tim Peel, get bent, and we'll see you tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.